Did you ever uh, hear the Ormond family? They made uh, carnival movies in the in the fifties and sixties, like really okay. exploit exploitation movies. But then they all survived a plane crash and uh, decided to become Christian filmmakers and made really bizarre Christian <laughs> movies in the seventies. Oh, really this like, this, that sounds like Brian's stuff. shit. That's wild. Well, yeah. one of, one of, the oh, movie boy. there's is my favorite is from before they reformed into Christianity and it's uh, okay. called uh, the exotic ones or the monster and the strippers. It's got a couple titles <laughs> and it's uh, set on bourbon street in New Orleans. Oh, and cool. it's uh, where there's a sleazy nightclub with strippers. And then the owner decides to uh, have these people hunt and bring in sleepy Labeef. And he okay. plays a swamp monster. He's got like a big diaper and he hides <laughs> in the swamp and he, attacks people and eats them you know and so they bring him back from the swamp to be an attraction in the strip club which means that he like stands in a cage and goes ah you know while they strip Uh you know and uh, the the Ormond older boy uh, plays a song to him that goes the hurt goes on and on and on and on and on and on and then at the end he just freaks out and he like tears a stripper's breast off and goes berserk (laughs) Absolutely yeah. amazing, oh. amazing movie. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast where the hurt goes on and on and on. I'm the worst <laughs> of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And today we are excited to be joined by a very talented cartoonist, writer, and general man about town, <laughs> Michael Copperman. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. When, when, when you were talking about, uh, you know, you coming on the podcast, you eventually pitched us on these really weird movies that Denzel Washington made early on in his career. And I had never heard of Heart Condition. Um, and you were like, no, you've got to see this. And uh, not going to lie, I'm a little bit upset uh, that I've now seen this movie because it's in my head now and it will never leave. But tell me a bit more about like why you were interested in talking about this one and, and, and what you think is interesting about it. I'd just been going back and watching a lot of the, the movies from the 90s because I think in a way it's the last era of, of a Hollywood machine doing mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And- yeah, yeah. You know, the practical effects, the big set sometimes, you know, and, and then the absolute awfulness on the other side that you wouldn't see these days. This movie is profoundly awful. Yeah, uh, I, I just I, I watched. It's fascinating. I mean, I think in some ways an awful, awful movie is more interesting than a really good one. I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in learning like behind the camera stuff from a from a really good movie unless it's, you know, a little unpleasant. But. A bad movie. I really want to know more about this. Like, what were the deals? Who, how was this pitched? I mean, it's, it's such a high concept movie. It's obvious, you know, it was like a ghost, but he's the ghost of a black lawyer in a racist cop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as though someone looked at the behind the scenes footage of Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and was like that the movie. 
just having him have his like like interacting with something that isn't there and doing it believably that's probably what sold the whole script uh but it is a uh, baffling a baffling choice to have i mean denzel washington was just starting first starting off in his career and but he wins glory like he wins right. the academy award for glory and then this is the follow-up to glory this I is a follow-up feature and i think that this movie when glory came out like i think he did those back to back so this was in the can yeah. at the point that he uh, won the academy award for glory which is fucking wild honestly to like have your oscar winning performance followed up with this um but yeah it, it's it's really something else and, and i think you're exactly right michael like there is something so interesting about the machine era uh, in the way that, whereas now there's a, a machine, but the machine works completely differently. Back then, you could sell a script yeah. based on just like a pitch in a dream as long as you had the right connections, even if yeah. you didn't necessarily have a track record. And I believe, if I'm not wrong, Brian, I, I don't know what research you did into the script, but this guy, the guy who wrote this, I think this was his first feature-length film, wasn't it? It was his only feature. Yeah, his yeah. First and only. yeah he's yeah. a TV guy. Yeah, he went yeah, to Grey's Anatomy he, at, at a certain so point. So he he mostly you know directs episode of telev episodes of television, um, and and that's that's been his whole career. And then somehow you know he just had a real dream, I guess. <laughs> Well, and wrote this fucking thing. That's well, the I'll, funny thing is that James Perriott, who did write this, did an interview later, uh, basically apologizing for this movie. Right. But <laughs> the studio came to him and was like, we need you to pitch us, you know, probably just like out of their mind on cocaine, which is like, we need we need scripts and movie now. And he was like, well, I don't think the script is ready. And it's like, too bad. We're doing it. And then right. it's like it's already thrown millions of dollars at it. And you can tell. You can tell it, that this was a terrible it, decision by some big studio. It's exec. a terrible script. It just it papers yeah. over everything so that every conversation you'd expect to have in a movie like every point that a movie like this should make, it doesn't make like it, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so weird how there are actually very few conversations about race in this movie. There's almost no examination of the police and their relationship to racism and yeah he he doesn't even like need to be racist at the end of the day because there's <laughs> no. just so many concepts they're running with in this they could have just cut it completely it, it's so odd okay well here's one central thing that i thought of just uh after watching it this last time why yeah. is denzel washington there <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't need right. anything from hoskins he doesn't yeah. want hoskins to do anything for him he doesn't give he doesn't care about making up with his mother who says basically he's trash. I want you to throw his life in a dumpster. And he's yeah. just like, Oh, come on, mom. You know, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't want anything. He finds he, out he has a baby and then he's a little interested, but he's. Oh yeah. Know, and that's, that's a big, that's a big twist. And we'll get to that in a, in a later on. Um, you know, it, I think like there, there is something that is so, bizarre about the movie for those exact reasons that the conversations that seem like they are they ought to be there are not there there's a lot of connective tissue that just is fully lacking yeah. and from the very beginning you have no fucking idea what is going on and you never really do figure out what is going on yeah well we, <laughs> no, I mean, we spend a ton of time right there at the beginning with this i don't know senator or whatever yeah, uh, yeah. in in his mark in his crash pad mark everything completely in slow motion we're getting full screen 
title cards for every credit in this movie. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people who you have never heard of. Hey, hey, Steve Tisch founded Tisch School of the I, I Arts. I did notice that was Steve uh, Tisch. Yeah, no, his family did. But Steve that's, Tisch is that's the, the only name. He's the prime minister of the New York Giants now. And I think yeah. that's the job description. By the way, I, I, I timed it out. This title sequence is four minutes long. <laughs> I thought I thought there was a problem with my buffering on my computer because it, it it's shot in a way that makes it look in slow motion, but not in like good slow motion. It's not it's actual really slow motion, choppy. right? They, yeah. they didn't actually yeah, like overwind it's, the camera. It's, it's they, that technique that they kind of perfected in uh, the Empire Strikes Back that uses it duplicates frames. Right. And people got really obsessed with that in the 80s. And here we are at the beginning of this movie with this lady who is going to be very important for some reason yeah. with her Minolta camera that also is important for some reason. We just see a lot of flashes and then like this old politician dies. Well, and we spend a lot of time on the cleanup and some guy being like, I can't believe I voted for him. And yeah. <laughs> Picture of H.W. Bush on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Cross cutting that with uh, the opening sequence of Bob Hoskins eating a bunch of burgers all at once. <laughs> you know, like... Inventing the McGangbang, which is also being cross cut with the rookie on the force who doesn't matter. Right. uh, Right. uh, Trying to do his first vice sting. Yes. Michael, I have a question for you. (laughs) Yes. I have several. When did you first come across this movie? And how, how do you? I mean, how, is this a thing you watch regularly, or is this like a is this like a thing you you watch once and then again for this and will never do again after? Every other every other month you go back and it's like gotta fire up our condition. I have to st- I have to have a movie start with a white man in an African mask doing meth. Oh, I forgot about the mask. I, w- I want to watch it that much. Actually, I just started. Uh-huh. I think I've seen it three times. But it's that's, like that's so each, many more. Each each watching re- uh, uh, it opens up another circle of awfulness, and you just—it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. I'm I'm absolutely fascinated. So probably yeah, I will I will be watching it. Regularly. So the, the, this did you first see this in in theaters, or did you catch it on a on a tape somewhere, or or where did you find out about this thing? No, I uh, illegally downloaded it during COVID. Nice. Oh, so oh, you wow. saw it for the first time within oh, the last yeah. couple no, of years. No, I wasn't gonna. Yeah, was it no, because of that? 1990, I had better things to do. <laughs> was it because of that Ringer article that came out that was like, "This is the worst movie Denzel Washington ever made"? No, How did you come no. across it? I just, I just have been like, I just have been watching movies, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the '90s movies where they right. uh, set up to address race, yeah, and uh-huh. then, and then like just fumble it, and you know. Uh, Amos and Andrew is another one I watched recently, and uh, there are more I know I'm forgetting. It's fascinating. Oh, that one's with uh, Samuel Jackson and Nicolas Cage. Mm. Uh, oh, boy. Whoa. Yeah. These are very cool team-ups, I gotta say. Like, Bob Hoskins and Denzel Washington is not an inherently bad pairing. <laughs> it's just this no, movie I, I, does I'd nothing argue with it's them. the only thing the movie has to offer I you, agree. really. Yeah, yeah. True. Well, Bob Hoskins doesn't put much energy into being American for this or being no. a, a, a believable cop. But what he does put a lot of very visible energy into is, ex, is seeming extremely unhealthy. Like he's yes. really like <laughs> glowering and grimacing and sweating like he's never looked so awful. Uh, oh, he looks like shit. Yeah. 
Uh, they, you can imagine like there was just like the makeup woman having to run in between and like squirt his face uh, every, <laughs> between takes every time just to get that level of sweat on there because uh, yeah. he's drippy. It is a drippy film. He is he is dripped <laughs> out and not in the good way. So and he's, <laughs> a, he's a romantically the best looking person apart from Denzel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. He's got he's got to carry it as that romantic lead. So. Um, to the point of like the clumsy handling of racism, this ends up happening pretty fucking quickly because after this bizarre title sequence, um, Bob Hoskins is, um, he's in his cop car with his, with his partner and he just peels the fuck out because he is trying to, I didn't understand what was going on here. Actually. Can somebody explain what is happening here? He sees Denzel is in the car, right? And he knows that his ex left him for Denzel. Well, yes, no, there's somehow. this whole scene where a maitre d' or security at a restaurant right. is, like, telling Denzel, oh, yeah. like, you don't have any authority over me, and then Denzel slaps Chloe Webb. Right. Hand. Right. And then he right. hustles them into the car when he sees uh, Bob Hoskins running at them with <laughs> his gun out. <laughs> right, he whips you know. out his gun. Yeah. 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 It, just fully just... shoots the back headlight. It's, it's, it's amazing because, like... Denzel just slapping Chloe Webb in the face, right, is addressed only one time later, and it's kind of hand-woven away, like, oh, yeah, I was mad. So I hit her. It and hits like, her oh. hard, too. She, like, yeah, she like, falls over. Okay, well, here's one of the weird things about the movie that, you know, is that he's uh, he's called a lawyer. They say he's yeah, a black lawyer yeah, several right. times. Yes. But there is no evidence whatsoever in the movie at any point that he is a lawyer. Right. No. There's, a, there's a lot of evidence that he's a pimp. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there's yeah. so much. They never say the word pimp. There is so much content of what is happening at the beginning of this movie that you're like, oh, OK. So this thing with the senator it must have been Denzel setting up some kind of a badger game with him, but then it went wrong. But mm-hmm. then they're also showing that he was probably intentionally murdered by the drugs, by the drug guys. Yeah, you think so? I, I don't know. <laughs> don't tell me what I think. Honestly, I don't have I'm any still, clue. I'm still baffled by Brian's <laughs> use of the phrase "badger game." <laughs> You've never heard of badger no, game? No, a badger game is like uh, I'm picturing little the... badgers riding other badgers with little mallets no, playing polo. <laughs> it's like what the Meisner brothers did up in uh, Alaska during the gold rush. It's it's when you get someone into a room with a prostitute, you get them in a compromising position, oh. you take a picture of them. When oh. she had the fucking camera, you take a picture of them, and then you're like, "Hey, this would be real bad for your wife to see." Give me a thousand dollars. It'd be bad, sure for you. There's, there's, yeah, yeah. There's that whole show where there's it's an that, old timey word. I can't remember the name of that show, but there's a whole show where a guy goes to places, especially in like India, whether that's it's a common scam that they run in the big cities in India, mm. and he'll intentionally get himself into those situations so that he can bring his camera crew in and counter bust. Uh, amazing. The, the, cool. the, fr- yeah, the yeah, that's, that's what like GM tried to do to Ralph Nader back in the day, but uh, <laughs> oh, the asexual right. king couldn't be taken down. We, we were. <laughs> We stand in a sexual king, don't we, folks? We sure so, do. But I, I do want to say what I found out looking around online at the IMDb trivia section and other places that have dubious um, reportage. It seems as though the earlier drafts of the script had his character as a pimp. Okay, so because that makes sense, yeah. right? They yeah. were shipping. They were trying to. They were shopping it around to a bunch of famous black actors. Everyone kept turning it down, and they finally got Denzel, who was a little... He, he was pretty famous. At the, I mean, he wasn't nobody at this point. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he no, did he'd been say... been around for 10 years, yeah. 
Yeah, he had yeah. enough clout to say, this guy's not going to be a pimp. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah, but they and didn't. They but, but we're going to change nothing. nothing else. Yeah. It was really just yeah, find and replace uh, for the pimp thing. They even had him still slap her and everything. But like, it's just like, oh yeah, the lawyer. Yeah, the who, the, the the lawyer, the <laughs> extremely well paid, uh, you know, extreme upper middle class yeah, like to upper class, yeah, uh, yeah. conciliary like. Yeah, this 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 is the guy who also goes around slapping women. It doesn't make sense. No, and there's no, no. he has no office. There's no mention of an office. And right. when they no. go to get where he has no his partners, money hidden, yeah. it's in the pipes of a bowling, it's in the bowling alley. alley. Yeah. The hip hop bowling alley. <laughs> uh, Insane. You know, it's not lawyerly at all. Well, it's, Unless it's like a, you know, they they could have, if they wanted to, gone down like the Better Call Saul route and made him sort of like a scumbag lawyer. But that's not what they did. Yeah. Vietnamese nail salon. I don't think they had the imagination, honestly. No, definitely not. No, no. absolutely not. (laughs) So what ends up happening after this, then, is that there's a foot chase. And this is the first time that we get this bizarre fucking foot chase is also the first time that we get what will be a recurring motif, which is the scat music. Oh, yeah. God. It's just awful. It's awful. It's scat all over the soundtrack. Every chase scene has scat in it. It's the kind of music that's kind of funky jazz, you know, played on a machine. This whole soundtrack. Ow and stuff. Whole soundtrack is a nightmare. I mean, just every every part of it. Every every needle drop, every bit of non-diegetic music. It's a nightmare. It sounds yeah. it sounds like they first recorded it with like a fucking Juno synthesizer. And then they brought Kelsey Grammer into the studio and were like, hey, Kelsey, we need some scat. Show us what you got. And Kelsey Grammer, after doing a whole rail of cocaine, is just like, scooty ba ba boop ba toss salads and scrambled eggs. And he, uh, and, and, he said and he, the N-word. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah so that's, that's what this chase culminates <laughs> that's in. That's what it culminates in. This yeah, chase so just culminates off. in Bob Hoskins running up to the camera and just saying the N-word <laughs> into the lens. Denzel has this conversation <laughs> with the two cops. And then Denzel turns back to him and said, hey, hey, you look like you look like hell. What have you been eating? And and Bob Hoskins goes, your ass, N-word. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and punches him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's after it's, like it's baffling behavior. Shooting out windows. Well, well, no, like, exactly. he, well, goes he punches. In he punches through a window. Like he right. goes full Hulk. There's a moment like uh, really early on where that sets up the context of all this because hey, at the police station. It's promotion week next week. Yeah. So the one week of the year where I guess everyone gets promotions. Uh, so this chase sequence is actually really bad because it could it might keep Bob Hoskins from getting a promotion, especially because his direct superior is black. Right. Yeah. Who of this course? Is something, this is something I love in movies too. Sorry. That yeah, they, yeah. They have yeah. where they have no idea what police do. Or, or yeah. like what crime really is. It's yeah. just a big project thing. coming up. Yeah. I have a yeah. big policing project <laughs> coming up. It's not going to get in the way of his golf game. I'll tell you this right now. Um, and, and I love too how, yes, it, it's that plus the fact that this, um, his superior, the, I guess, 
you know, chief of police or whatever, right. is the uh, classic archetype of the, you know, oh, your your methods are are, are, are just crazy, but you get results, damn it. Um, whereas <laughs> there are there is no evidence whatsoever so far that Bob Hoskins is in any way, shape, or form competent at his job whatsoever. No. We're this just talking about his history as yeah. an officer. Yeah. No, like just just to be very clear. This the, opening scene, he's such a bad cop that they would actually fire him in real life. They would actually fire yeah. him. Do you know how hard <laughs> it is one to fire cop who would cop? ever be fired? <laughs> like the union comes in, it's like, yeah, it's probably best we let him go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not he worth punched it. through a window. He did, he did a lot of property damage for no reason and also engaged a man in a fight over personal reasons for which the police department could be held liable for potentially a hate crime like yeah. It, yeah it's it's madness it's madness but when we open the scene with him getting chastised it's just laughing it, it's like a solid three minutes about laughing at him using the n-word like it's right. so yeah. it's it's not a hurtful word really in this universe it's more like because <laughs> no. it's the 90s AJ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just like it's so funny that this white guy would say the n-word <laughs> like isn't that yeah. hilarious and it's like oh uh, no <laughs> no it is not <laughs> his captain is uh, i think roger mosley he was the, yeah. the, the helicopter pilot on uh, Magnum PI. That was mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, it, it's another one of those moments where the performance almost saves it. It's just, you know, if you remove that scene completely from context, maybe, and you just watch that one scene, you're like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, because, again, they're kind of playing against the material enough. I, and it feels like the it. black actors all got together beforehand and were like, we're just yes. yeah, what are we going to do with this? Get through yeah. this. Just yeah. get through it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Don't the movie uses them as props stress. in a very gross way. It's like anytime they like make a joke about black people, there's always at least one black actor laughing at the joke to like make them, uh -huh. like, to make it be like, oh, it's okay. We're all in on it. It's because like, again, it's, oh. to be very clear, the guy who wrote the script is, is, is white. He a, actually, he looks like Bob Hoskins with hair actually it's very disconcerting <laughs> oh that explains why they cast bob hoskins as the romantic lead then maybe and also oh gave God. him a piece halfway through uh yeah. which we will we will talk about we certainly will one thing that was funny to me about this whole setup michael is that it kind of reminded me of some of the stuff that you have done with your comics in the past like with like snake and bacon and like damn it snake and bacon you just <laughs> blew up the entire town what do you have to say for yourselves it's like that kind of thing but played mm -hmm. pretty much completely straight yeah but there's no stakes it's like what what is his job he's he just kind of sits around and then later goes for, you know, make out, uh, I mean, uh, makeover montages and stuff. And right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is his job? How, you know, he's, who, who uh, is he? He's vice. And then he's put on suspension for a while, but then like, he's still being watched over by the cops, like a hawk. Like it, it's right. very, it's very yeah. unclear. Like his, his sergeant tells him that he's a desk, desk sergeant now. Yes. And he's wearing uniform. And then you yes. never hear or see anything about that again. He, you never see him as a desk sergeant. You just see like his just, desk just piled up with paperwork. The entire department like running around being like, none of the paperwork has been done. Where is Bob Hoskins? And it's just it's him just you know, so getting funny. his nails They're, done. The freeform police station where, you know, you come in if you want to. Yeah, it's a WeWork. It, the police station is a say, WeWork. It's like a tech company. It's like. Yeah. It's, we, we, we found that the Montessori approach actually brings a lot to law enforcement. <laughs> um, so 
At this point, then, we have established that Bob Hoskins is the character. He is the protagonist. He's the guy who we're supposed to be rooting for for some reason. Again, yeah. no reason whatsoever has been given for why this should be the case. It's just assumed that we're going to want to go it's along with him. just because he's on camera the most. And uh, yeah. now we're going to raise the stakes again because Denzel actually gets brought into the station with the two women from before. Uh, and one of these women is... Um, Crystal fu- Garrity. Crystal Garrity is the character name, or in real life, what's her name again? Um, because Chloe I just, Webb. Chloe, Chloe Cl- Webb. Chloe Webb. Chloe Webb. To be honestly, uh, to be honest, I just think of them based on their real names because these characters are nothing. So yeah, it's, it, well, it's a shame too because Denzel Washington's character's name is incredible. What it's, is it? It's Napoleon Stone. It is. His character's name is Napoleon, and it's never commented on. Further evidence for the fact that he was a pimp right up until they started (laughs) shooting. We meet the lady, the prostitute lady, who is the ex of Bob Hoskins. And speaking of things that get set up and and never have any culmination, again, we have this long conversation about the camera. Yep. Yes. About how she uses the flash and the camera for self-defense, which you think is going to be, imp- you know, in like a more like tight screenplay of this era. Yeah. That camera would be the most important thing by the end of the movie. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that's where, um, until uh, dark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Throwing developer into his face or whatever. They've and, set up um, Chekhov's camera here and it never yeah. actually fires. Very they strange. Because really it's like, because there's also the roles of film that right. he says he hasn't developed. And you're like, oh, that's going to be the key to all. No, it's not. Well, it's um, sort okay, of, sort okay, of okay, is, hold on. That's the thing is that it's not Chekhov's, it's not fully Chekhov's gun because it doesn't fully go off, but it kind of like half goes off. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, the footage, the film footage is important and it leads them to uh, the like the it's actual one of criminal the many underworld steps of the process, I <laughs> guess. But also, who is the bad guy in this movie? I don't understand. He's just kind of an asshole, like white guy with a cell phone. But I, I beyond that, yeah. I really know not. We learn nothing about him. No, and but he, yeah. he's he. I think in maybe the original script, he would have been like the other pimp. Like like you know, Denzel would have been in a pimp war sure. with this guy. Which would maybe make sense. I have no idea who the guy is. Uh, did yeah. you say, I'm sorry. Did you say in a pimp war? Yeah, yeah pimp wars. Pimp you know war. how it is. Yeah. yeah, that would be a movie. No, but the influence of uh, Miami Vice is very present in this mm. movie because mm-hmm. a lot of it is like crime is just vibes. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. at the end they just like hang out in a abstract expressionist set beach beach house, right? You know, yeah. waiting to do a murder. I'm very excited to talk about that. that, So, yeah, we have this long dramatic scene and they're like this. We really have to have the drama land with the ex. Where she yeah, you really got to make a move for about that relationship. Beautiful synth underscoring. Beautiful. It's and, not. It's not beautiful. It's not beautiful at all. It's, uh, it's it sounds horrible. like a man died midway through composing it. <laughs> the relationship that they establish in this first scene is one that seems to have been like it was a very messy relationship. Uh, they broke up, and it's like oh, there's like there's like years and years of backstory between these two. Like you can see the pain in Bob Hoskins' eyes because he's such a good actor. And Chloe Webb is actually, mm-hmm. I think, giving a pretty good performance with like no material that she's given. And you can and really see drowning like, it in synth. She's this doing her best. Deep, deep relationship that you find out later in the movie lasted four months. <laughs> and, and and I can't. It's like in this moment, I can't buy it. I just cannot buy what they're selling because no, not. you look at it and it's like. I'm no, this wouldn't happen. Like all of a sudden too, this movie asks you to like take the drama seriously when it's been trying to be a comedy and not even succeeding at that. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) 
Nope. Uh, so we get to we we follow um, Bob Hoskins back home to his uh, terrible apartment. Uh, yeah. Very spacious, but terrible. And he has a cat. Uh, that he feeds milk and bourbon. Yeah, Jim uh, That he mixes together in a bowl, uh, actively trying to kill both himself and the cat. <laughs> and lo and behold, Bob Hoskins' lifestyle catches up with him. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, old Detective Mooney has a heart condition. <laughs> a what? <laughs> he what? Which yeah. would be a surprise to everyone outside of America because this film has a different title. Uh, in every other region but America, and it is my great horror to share with you that the title of this film outside of the U.S. is Black Ghost. <laughs> it's a better title, honestly. It's a more accurate title. It's it more accurate. Yeah. He's, he's like, you'd think, sorry, he, you'd think he'd take over uh, Bob Hoskins' body. But yeah. he's out outside it as a ghost when he appears, like wrestling with his arm and stuff. Right. Which yeah. seems like a weird way to go with it. He's like haunting his own heart for reasons we never find out. Right. Well, everyone knows that the heart controls the body. <laughs> it's the thing that controls how the arms go. Right. He has a moment where he calls 911. He's brought in to, uh, to surgery to get a heart transplant. Um, because in the one in a million chance that there would be like a heart and it turns out there is because Denzel Washington's character has died in a car accident. How about Uh, that? And the two doctors have this horrible banter where they talk about, Hey, what profession was this guy? Oh, it was a real terrible profession. Oh, was he a proctologist? Nope. Was he a dentist? Getting closer. Oh, he's a lawyer. Oh, don't worry. We could talk bad about him. He's not going to sue us for malpractice. And I'm like, what is happening? I was transported back to so many horrible stage comedies that I've seen because yeah, this- it was, it was it was theater writing. It's theater yeah, writing. Totally. Bad yeah. theater jokes. I have seen- Every season on Broadway, there's at least two or three shows that come along, and these shows are always the same. And it's people talking to each other, telling these jokes that aren't funny. And as the movie goes on, or sorry, as the play goes on, you just sit back, you sink lower and lower into your seat, and you say to yourself, my God, I want to die. Josh is actually sliding down his <laughs> yes. chair as he speaks. Applying um, the method here. Yeah. So th- we have this transference of Denzel Washington's heart into Bob Hoskins's body. And Bob Hoskins wakes up a few weeks later. That's how that works, yeah. To be um, <laughs> confronted by, by what I can only describe as um, a Lynchian nightmare uh, of his four cop friends doing a... Uh, barbershop quartet very badly <laughs> at him. This movie has everything. While the the largest black dildo you could imagine flops around between his legs. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. the one that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the part, by the way, guys, that, you know, I posted, I think, in our in our group uh, Slack. This was when I posted, I feel like I'm having a stroke watching this. <laughs> because there is like the the it's like the logic wants to connect but doesn't it's as it's as if everything that wanted to bring these things together in terms of connective tissue was forgotten and so you have these signifiers and you have this dialogue and you have this performance that's mm. so just bizarrely ungrounded and you feel like you 
aren't experiencing reality. That's really the only way I can put it. It was so strange. It's so weirdly handled. So he, Bob Hoskins has his thing. He collapses in his apartment. Then his partner is talking to the doctor and the doctors are, are like, uh, you know, he, his heart's not good. He's going to die unless we get a guess, get a, another heart right away. And then, oh, oh, your ship just came in. We got a new heart. Right. Well, and also the way that they make that cut, too, is like his partner is like, are you saying he's dead? And then the doctors are like, no, he's saying he will die. He doesn't get a heart. <laughs> so they say then your ship has come in, which that's not how, you know, transplants work. You don't just get nope. the next heart. That turns out, but fine. Whatever. Five hearts just sort of like fell off the loading dock and we yeah. have the closest one. That I couldn't get over the first time I saw this and, and still kind of can't is. They they just suddenly Denzel Washington is a corpse there at the hospital. Right. But they never say what happened. No. It's just like, oh, it was a car crash. It's like they, there's no context. It's just, oh, he just died in a car crash. Here he is. He's dead now. Yeah. You know, we don't see were, it. Why don't we see it? It's almost no, as if there was supposed yeah. to be something there and they cut it. But I don't think that's what happened. I, I think th it was yeah, just written yeah. this way. They, they hand so wave it away a little bit later where the apparently the white guy with the big cell phone had him killed because he thought that Crystal Garrity had ta had had like given him the photos Oh, does he say the that? Senator. I missed, I missed yeah, yeah. That, that's that's later on. And you listen. I would not blame you for not hearing it. I had to pause and go back because every like major plot development, they just like breeze right on past so they right. can get to well, more also, shenanigans. Right. They they tell you that Denzel is dead by pulling the sheet off his face. <laughs> right. And on yeah. the soundtrack. Now, this was the era of like Paul this, Simon this, came along uh -huh. first oh, and like lots mm. of African rhythms. Yeah. And the soundtrack goes, um, <laughs> yeah, it's oh. literally Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Oh, it's it's <laughs> wait, literally, <laughs> isn't that, it's actually it's or actually. The, yeah. No, I, I when I, I watched the full through the whole credits. <laughs> To see what all the music things were, and it's and the very first thing listed was Lady Smith Black Mombasa. So it was <laughs> wild. Brian, were you watching the credits to see if there was a post credit scene that was setting up the larger heart condition <laughs> heart universe? Condition extended universe. It's gonna have a crossover with Howard it's, the Duck. It's, it's typical. Just a shame. Like every choice in this movie is weird. Like every choice yeah. is is off, is wrong, is you know because the result of different drafts. Yeah, yeah, he's just. He's just a black he's from, guy. Yeah, he's, he's, from a, LA. he's an African American. It doesn't. Well, he, has yeah. a lot of, he has a lot of African art in his house. To it's be true. Fair. Bob true. Hoskins later calls the thing that's been put on him a white curse, uh, which I mean, if this movie is actually about white guilt, I think I think if you say this movie and then you say about, there's nothing else that you can really keep going with. Yeah, that's uh, true. It, there's there's just there's no theme here. I no. have it's just this guy had a bunch of things that he liked to see in movies and put them all in one. That's movie. exactly right. <laughs> if Bob Hoskins dies, and his heart is transplanted mm. into somebody else, is that person have a Denzel Washington and Bob Hoskins inside <laughs> of them? I feel like the answer has to be yes. I like this. I like it's like Bicentennial Man, but for yeah, you can do it. Like You'd have to use CGI for Hoskins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't still do it. Yeah. What, what ends up happening here is that after Bob Hoskins wakes up, after there's this really weird fucking situation with this big black dildo and it's just played for laughs in the strangest possible fucking way. <laughs> it's um, a very it's it, I mean, it's a truly genuinely bizarre joke. 
And I, I do have to give them credit for just like well, the And absolute... then he marches to the surgeon played by Alan Rachins from L.A. Law and yes. goes, you put it in, take it out. And, you know, the, I yeah. can't remember what he says, but it's the the nurse, the nurse, just wiggling on the desk. Like, yeah. the like, bah, like you, you put it in, you take it out. The nurse says, you want to tell me where he had it? She would know that she's a nurse. She's probably dealt with it before. Listen, Jokes we cannot. So vaudeville. The fact that nobody in the medical field in this has any idea how medicine works. He leaves at one point <laughs> and his arm is in the air and two paramedics. He turns to them and says hemorrhoids. And the paramedics are like, yep, that's where hemorrhoids are. The arm. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> Bob Hoskin heads back to the precinct. More people make fun of him for his heart for some reason. And then, How did everyone else find out that he had a black man's heart before he did? I t- like, they're not relatives. The doctors aren't supposed to be, like, just disclosing that. Yeah, I was was say, it this, in the papers? This should be medically confidential yeah, information. Should have some headlines. Have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same paper comes towards it. black man's heart. <laughs> Extra. Um, but Bob Hoskins then goes out to eat a burger. And before he can eat this delicious burger, he's stopped by a man who is none other than, oh, it's Denzel Washington. How did Lady he get Smith there? once more. And um, he's, he's there and he's a ghost. And the way that you can tell that he's a ghost is that number one, he says, nobody else can see you. So when you are fighting with me, it's going to look like you're just moving around by yourself and fighting with a burger. And then number two, we also get additional shots of Bob Hoskins dancing around and fighting, fighting a burger. By yeah. himself, so uh, and he's very good at it. You know, again, yeah. like that's he's the king. That's why he did Roger Rabbit. Um, um, he's but, such a great physical comedian. It's just it's wasted on a film that <laughs> someone's like, oh, you got a black heart now, and it's like it's the same color as before. Like they 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 spend a lot of time like talking about how his heart is so different. It's like I mean, it's it's well, it's because, a healthier because, heart, right? But again, like you know, this is a a movie that is in the early 90s. And so mm. the message ultimately is never going to be anything about structural racism. Racism. It's going to be, at the end of the day, we're all just people. And right. we need to just stop being so, like, we need to be more colorblind. We need to stop <laughs> being so, like, you know, we're, we're just, we're all just people. A heart's a heart, you know? Yeah, I, I will say Steve Tisch, the producer, mm-hmm. he also produced Soul Man. The infamous soul man. Oh my God. (laughs) It's all coming together. Oh my God. There was a thing in the 90s too, I think especially with um, curses and like with a lot of magical like high concept Mm -hmm. like comedies like this. Right. And Denzel again has no reason to be there. He's not, he's not, there's no quest. He's not burning with injustice. He doesn't seem to particularly care about anything. There are two things that Denzel I think cares about in this movie. One is he kind of, Blase, very blase says I need you to solve my murder right initially and then his actual purpose in the movie is to glam up Bob Hoskins De- Bob Hoskins goes to his shrink uh, to analyze his dreams and uh, he said that lack of sex is bringing him down so then he went to a whore who said his life's a bore so uh, stop whining because I'm bringing her down so- sometimes I give myself the creeps no, Sometimes no. my oh. mind plays tricks on me. Oh, it, it all keeps, keeps adding, adding up. up. I think I've had enough. Am uh, I just paranoid or am I stoned? Anyway. I'm um, the scat man. I am also the scat man. <laughs> the shrink prescribes him some medicine, but the ghost is still following him around. Denzel Washington's ghost. And this, by the way, sets up what we're going to be seeing for the rest of this movie, where Bob Hoskins is going to be having a conversation with somebody, and Denzel Washington is going to be like, 
basically appearing in different places around the space and being like having like little commentary on what's going on and being like, well, that's I don't know about that. That's kind of wacky. Like and it's just again, it's supposed to be every single scene, every single fucking scene. It's supposed to be witty. It's supposed to be clever. And none of these jokes land. And any time the that the dialogue goes towards something interesting or meaningful, it backs away again, or it just uses language to like gloss over. Anytime there's the slightest move towards anything that could be potentially interesting, it's immediately killed with a wisecrack or, you know, a, a cut. Yeah. Yeah, including including this very scene where rather than playing the tension of, well, it seems like he is maybe not entirely mentally well, uh, you know, is this something that dramatically should be an issue of concern? Should we maybe as viewers even be wondering about this, asking the question of if, if maybe some of this is just going on in his head or not going on in his head. That could be interesting ambiguity. Is there any no. trauma? Does he have any trauma? They exactly. Never, they never bring it up. No, he has, he has no life. There is nothing about <laughs> him that exists beyond the first moment we saw him on screen. He loves burgers. He loves he burgers. He sure does, yeah. and bourbon and milk. <laughs> but I think, I think to your point, Michael, like a more interesting version of this movie would be exactly that. It would be asking then, well... Is this really what's happening here? Is he really being visited by like the ghost of this dead lawyer? Or is this his sort of stand in for something that is deeper that he needs to resolve within himself? Because that's actual drama, which the movie kind of hints at because Denzel does at several points be like, so where does all this racism come from? Like he really tries to like analyze this guy, but there there doesn't seem to be any sort of effort to try and do the same to Denzel's character. Like, it's never, like, trying to figure out, like, what does Denzel want? What, well, like, like, what is unfinished business? Like, why... Well, and well, I think Denzel is his right. character. And right. I think yeah. partly, like like we said, it's like all the black actors in this movie just got together and were like, how are we going to handle this? Right. Denzel plays this well by just not having anything stick. Like, yep. yeah. there are no dramatic moments to him except for the moment where later on Bob Hoskins is walking away on the beach and he's like, hey, come back. <laughs> Everything else is as light as a feather yes. with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he reacts to his mother saying, you know, he's trash, throw his life in a dumpster. <laughs> I, I hate him. He's scum. Yeah. You know, and he reacts, you know, as if someone had told him that the, the sandwich he wanted was unavailable and yeah. he has to make another choice. Yeah, so yeah. Bob Hoskins has made it over to Denzel Washington's house. Yep. And this is this is a great example of what is it that people call it cocaine architecture? Yeah. Ugh. Like sure. Th- that yeah. house was the old like you go upstairs <laughs> and then there's just like a little like aquifer that you walk across that's like a loft <laughs> over the living room uh-huh. and yeah. gets into the bedroom. <laughs> See, I at first I to your point of like thinking, well, is this a I at first had thought that it was his office. I thought that it was a very lavishly appointed office. Right, because it doesn't look like a home at all. Then I realized it was his house, and I was like, what is going on here? This was the time when people would, like, decorate their homes with, like, a little, like, half, like, pillar, like a white pillar. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) maybe a a small floral print something or other, and then, like, a a red couch. Yeah. that's That's, like, too stiff. Or like yeah. that weird uh, apartment that we were looking at the other day, Brian. Remember that weird like fuck pad that we that we found <laughs> where it was like there was just like a jacuzzi. You guys are looking at fuck pads without me. We were just looking at weird real estate listings, and we found this weird <laughs> apartment in downtown Grand Rapids where there was like this. Oh, it's so fucking weird. There was like yeah. a shower 
like just off of the living room that you could just kind of like step into and step back out of. And there was like a, a half a half circle of like glass. It, it looked like one of those hotels you can rent in Thailand, like by the hour. But it was a, um, it was a it was a, it was a home. It was like yeah. an entire house. It, they expect people to live there. And that's <laughs> that's the situation that so many people apparently found themselves in in the early 90s. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you can speak to this maybe better, Michael. I, uh, maybe you remember the early 90s better than I do because I was, you know, very, very young at the time. Yeah, Tiny yeah, baby. I'm afraid I, so. Is, is this, yeah, t- tell us a bit about the, the cultural context here, both for this architecture and just for everything else. What did you notice? It was a terrible time for, for yeah, discussion of anything, uh, discussion <laughs> of race. Uh, I think that was the year before I started working at Life Magazine for a bit, which was oh, just wow. a Boy. decaying. Republican institution at that point. It was. Did all the liberals go to time and all the conservatives went to life? Is that kind of how that broke out or? Life was like, life had actually been officially canceled in 1972 and then they brought it back in the 80s and made it a monthly and it was this extremely, incredibly boring magazine with like, you know, the Kennedys, our royal family. Oh, or, sure. You know, no, the actual sure, sure. royal family or just the most boring stuff. The one issue I wish, I, I mean, I threw them all away. I had them and I threw them away. It was just a disgrace. Uh, but there was one issue that I wish I'd kept because it was where uh, that financier had bought um, MGM. And I think he held it for like a year or two. His name was Giancarlo Peretti. And I've searched and searched online for this and I haven't been able to find it. But you know that way back when in its classic era, 1939, um, Life did a photo of the MGM uh stars and it was like more stars than they're on heaven is this mm. huge photo with like all the biggest stars of that era mm. and so this guy redid it but it's all like people like john shuck and pat Morita, <laughs> and it was so funny and i've tried and i've tried Hell to yeah. find it but i haven't been able to Hell these yeah. people are perverts like how are they even allowed to live i don't understand Michael, would you describe the rivalry between time magazine and life magazine as being a pimp war yeah uh, no, I mean, life Life was a dead duck. This was yeah. also back in the era where people at magazines and, and places like that could stay loaded half the day. Right. Which is really yeah. something sure. that, like, cut off right as you entered the 21st century. So hmm. there was yeah, a yeah. lot of that going on. It was it was not a healthy scene. Also, it was a, they had just merged with uh, uh, Warner Brothers. Right. And, oh, uh, wow, that's right. Then when I was there, they fired 600 workers one week. Jeez, oh, my God. Guy at charge got a 72 million payout. It was really controversial. Sounds about right. I think, Ugh. though, that, that this is interesting, though, because this sort of like the, the, the extreme excess of the late 80s to early 90s actually, by comparison to what's happening now, seems tame relatively speaking which is insane it's insane how much worse things have gotten but yeah there was a little bit more distribution right like there there was a a wider part of the paddle was in this upper class and there was money to spare for shit like magazines that like god even these hoary old like zombie things like life which just seems so divorced from our current reality and then and movie studios could just keep sort of churning things out so it didn't like Heart condition was a minor investment. It, it, right. You know, it wasn't nothing, but it was like just another movie to put out. People were still going to theaters. People were still buying magazines. People were still getting their houses built like in this fucking movie. Yeah. A, a very strange. It, it was like there was wealth and there was excess, but there was no taste because all the gay people died. Right. Like all of yeah. the great like creative minds had 
been wiped off of the face of the earth. Right. Yeah. And so everything is just gray and bizarre. This is not a great movie to look at, I will no. say. Overall, <laughs> it is it's a very ugly film. No. The, the DP has gone on to do some other things. He he worked a little bit on Breaking Bad and and did the first I think the first season of of Better Call Saul. So he had more on offer later, but there's a lot of people who now have this like blinkered nostalgia for anything they see from the nineties with film and practical effects. Yeah. And I would just lead them to this movie and yeah. say, is this what you want? Yeah, for it's sure. Really exceptional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So beyond the house, Bob Hoskins talks to Denzel's mom. Right. And we've, we've mentioned what happens there. Yep. She, she's especially upset that he like never settled down and had a kid and yep. he doesn't care. Um, so they leave and, there's this money that's stored away at the fucking at the at the bowling alley, which is the called hip bowling hip, alley. Hip hop bowling. <laughs> it's a hip hop bowling alley, and his money is hidden in the pin setting machines. Right, and yes. they have to go get it. And then there's yeah, a he confrontation. Said this was where this was where he made his real money, not as a lawyer, but. Uh, but off hmm. of the like shoe rental fees. You all have to help me here with the plot a little bit because yeah. <laughs> I don't think we we'll <laughs> no, 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 but to, I think but we yeah. can do it together. I think we can all work through this together. <laughs> sure. So he goes to the hip hop bowling place in order to get the money, but he needs the money because Denzel was trying to get Bob Hoskins to pass as a rich man so he can he can he can buy a date with Crystal Garrity, who right, is working she's a high for class the bad escort. guy who killed him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. No, you, you're you're not con, you're not confused about this at all. You are 100 percent correct. By the that's way, what listeners, the right if now. you're okay. confused right now, so are we. So yes. don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. There. Um. So here's the thing: is that uh, the bowling alley is also run by. Uh, Denzel Washington's character's brother, mm-hmm. apparently. Um, yeah. His name is Archimedes Stone. <laughs> yeah. 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 The greatest well, name for a character we see one time. I can see why the mother was so disappointed giving them names like that, and then they turn out like uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> manager and pimp. <laughs> um, Highly respectable lawyer. Lawyer, lawyer pimp. You. God. Um, so. Um, it, this really is then after after we've got the uh, heist at the bowling alley. There's the, this this whole fucking situation. The bowling alley that's like half nightclub. Too. Yeah, like, yes. that's, that's <laughs> the one time where he meets uh, black characters who are not Denzel Washington's family. That's the only yeah. situation, and it's uh, this threatening crowd. Yeah, and then one of them is that huge guy who I always forget or whatever. Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. They named yeah. him Bubba. His name right. is Bubba. I need that Enormous to be said. Enormous guy who then, when he gets out of the bowling alley, chases him with a bowling ball, right. which yeah. he then pounds on the hood of the car, like just you do, screaming. You see what happens? Pounding. You see what like happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane. This, this part, yeah. th- this part was almost like there it's were so, so many. There were so many points in this movie where, if it had been dialed in correctly, it could be entertaining. But it's yeah. not, mm-hmm. and it's so weird because, yeah. like on paper, you describe a scene where a guy goes into a hip hop bowling alley to get yeah. cash from out back behind the pin setters, comes back around, gets in a fight with the people who try to keep him from taking the money, and then there's a foot chase leading to a guy smashing the hood of a car with a bowling ball. That sounds fun, but it's not. He gets 
gets into the fight because he is being puppeteered by Denzel Washington. Right, makes him hit his brother. Uh, and, and like, there's also the the whole thing when they're back behind the bowling alley, and he's like, uh, "This place is full of Black Panthers. They all want to kill me." And it's like, "Oh yeah, right. He's racist. I forgot. I just I felt, forgot I, about him being racist. I felt like it was occasional <laughs> reminders. I'm racist. <laughs> just in case you forgot that at the beginning of the movie, he kicks the whole he's, thing off by calling Denzel Washington the N word. Yes, he is in fact <laughs> racist. Are you fucking kidding me? But they present it as a kind of mild condition, like, "Oh, this is really." Ag- Aggravating my racism. Yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> almost, it, almost like it's, it's a heart, heart condition. condition. Uh, right. oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> so. At yeah. this point, then, Bob goes sets up a, a nice hotel. He sets up a nice hotel situation guess, because, again, yeah. there's this, yeah. this convoluted thing where he is purchasing a date with Chloe Webb, who, again, is an escort, so that he can basically... A, put the moves on her because he wants her back from a personal perspective, and B, grill her for information about Denzel Washington's murder. And so we get this transformation montage. Um, Well, yeah, where he has to run up a hill. We have a makeover. (laughs) We have fucking trying on different suits, again, in one of the most dire-looking facilities you've ever seen there are thing is yeah, like, there are suits just thrown out onto stone slabs it looks like something <laughs> out of uh out of a fritz lang movie it's yeah, like incredibly yeah. bleak Longtime um, listeners might remember our josie and the pussycats episode where we talked yeah. about the transformation montage there which is absolutely fucking delightful this is the opposite of that in every conceivable way. It is yeah. the worst thing that you have ever seen. It's so funny because, yeah, Denzel doesn't really, there's not that much about race relations. There's an occasional, like, half a rant that's cut off. Mm-hmm. But mostly yeah. Denzel is teaching him to, like, you know, hey, you got to dress nicer and, you know, you got to smell a little better and be polite to waiters and right. not be uncomfortable <laughs> around, you know, slightly different people. The the music underscoring this transformation montage was the worst music I had ever heard oh, in my life. Oh, it's so <laughs> like the it music. Was, the music was already every bad. time. It's like it's, it hits a low point and it gets lower. It gets no, no, Josh, the ending theme of this movie is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> It is it actively. No, yeah, I, me. I had to mute the TV to get through the credits. <laughs> um, so, restaurant scene. This is yeah. up next with this effeminate uh, bumbling. Well, okay, European we have waiter. to talk about the piece. We got to talk yeah, about Bob Hoskins' piece. Oh, so God. they do this montage, and they're getting him a lot of suits. They're getting him, you know, a lot of shoes, and he's basically just doing what Denzel Washington is telling him to do, like pick out this shirt, pick out that shirt, and. Uh, he is in a barber chair and the barber is just kind of like combing his hair. He's like, oh, I don't like having my hair combed. And he gets a haircut that results in him having exponentially more hair than when he went into the place. And it's supposed to be like, oh, if he just styled it differently, he would have a full head of hair. And I'm like, listen, as someone who has hair that could be charitably described as Bob Hoskins-esque, that's not how this works at all. I wish that were how it worked. But he, he kind of comes out of this looking like Joe Pesci. It's, it's Once they put the sunglasses on him in the too yeah. big suit, it's incredible. Bob Hoskins, for all of his talents, does not clean up well. No. He does not no. come out of this and like, that's not, But that's wow. not the point of Bob Hoskins, which is no. why this casting doesn't make any sense. It's why this whole plot line defies credulity, because yeah. he looks like a schlub. Oh, that's, that's why. That's his bankability. Yeah, yeah that's the only reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine if Chris Farley had played the the main part. What that? Mm. What kind of movie that would have been? Honestly, it would have been I mean, funnier. There would have been a lot more. It would have been a lot funnier. Yeah. yeah. Pratt Falls. It's just, it's incredible. It's just incredible. It's so bad. It really is. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think I've seen, we've, we've all seen a lot of makeover montages yeah. in our life. Sure. This is the worst one by far. <laughs> by yeah. far. Like, yeah. That's, in, that's including TV. That's including sitcoms. This is the worst one. And I think I, I, I do want it to be said that I do kind of miss the era where Bob Hoskins a person who looks like Bob Hoskins could actually be the romantic lead of a thing. I feel like we are in a Marvel age right now where everybody has to be absolutely shredded. Mm-hmm. And if you're not shredded, you have, we, you know, we have to put you through Marvel boot camp so you can yeah. appear on screen. Kumail Nanjiani, uh, they, they well, got him roided yeah. up and looking yeah, weird. Where, where yeah. is our Patty Chayefsky to write the but new Marty? What, what you're yeah. definitely not going to get, even then, even if they started using physically different people, you're not going to get an entire movie where they make the star look as awful and unhealthy as possible <laughs> yeah. for the right. entire time. That's sweating. True. Eating, you know, <laughs> yeah. grimacing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I will be honest, I do kind of miss, I don't miss this movie. I don't miss movies like this movie. <laughs> You're not going to go watch it again next week, No, no this is not, not going to make it into the <laughs> weekly rotation. But I do, like, I, I do miss... I do miss the weirdness. Another one that I think is from about the same time is the one with Bronson Pinchot and John Larroquette. Oh and they God. run a detective agency where I'm Bron- sorry. Bronson Pinchot is a wacky uh, shaman who can communicate with the spirits. Oh, I'll boy. just say what? that's it's a lot worse than this. That's hard it's to a imagine. Lot worse. Uh, wow. Michael, you want to come back on and cover that one? <laughs> <laughs> Please no. I've already lost no, enough sanity that. from just watching this alone. Yeah, I don't know so if I can handle movie, watching something that worse. That movie is called Second Sight. It yes. came out. It came out oh only three months before Heart Condition. What a world, man! Really, a banner year for cinema across the board. Dear and Lord. And what's incredible is these were big. These were, you know, not the biggest movies, but these were big movies. Yeah. These were like covered everywhere. They were yeah. in all mm-hmm. the theaters. Yeah, this, yeah. Was this was indie. This was New Line Cinema. This was, and fucking Steve Tisch was putting yeah, money was the, behind this it. This was the yeah. middle of the road. These were the mid-budget, right. mid-business yeah. kinds of movies. And this kind of movie um, doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, you get stuff like this every once in a while these days. A movie like say knives out or something like that but it's not very common anymore yeah even even on like streaming services they lean more towards serialized production than you know an individual yep. piece uh, which means that like all of the fucking garbage that Netflix produces like bright or whatever is extremely expensive yeah, and they can't right. actually keep that up, especially right. now. But for, I'm sorry, just one benefit of all this, though. No more Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> oh, thank God. Uh, anyway, AJ, sorry. Uh, no, I know at the end, I will say at the end of the montage, uh, I had the one laugh intentional laugh I think that I had in the entire movie they set up this thing where Bob Hoskins throughout the entire montage just wants to drink this glass of white wine <laughs> he reaches out to grab it right. and Denzel's like no 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 you just have to pose and uh, and get right. measured for your suit and then so your heart yeah yeah after he's trying on the suit he reaches out and Denzel's like no 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 you have to protect your heart right and then at the yeah. very end uh he's fully dressed up in the full pesci uh, he, he's walking out. It's actually the he, sequel to the full Monty, the full Pesci. <laughs> I'd watch it. Nine Joe Pesci showed showing hog. I'm on board. Um, but he reaches over and, uh, and picks up the wine glass 
Uh, and then he's about to take a sip, and Denzel's like, yeah, go ahead, take a sip. You deserved it. It's been a long day. He's about to take a sip. <laughs> he looks over at the price of everything, and he drops the wine glass, and it shatters on the floor. Yeah, that, and, was, that, that was just like a classic, like, physical bit. Yeah, that was, and it was yeah. a part of the movie that off. had no dialogue whatsoever, and I think that, that that's what it mostly had going for it. Coincidentally, Bronson Pinchot <laughs> is the only person I've ever read uh, saying bad things about Denzel Washington. Oh, interesting. What? He, he what? apparently hates hates and says he's a, huh. a bully and, you know, not sympathetic to him. And, you know. Whoa. Denzel Washington was very nasty. To <laughs> yeah. To, well, to be fair, when they met, they were perfect strangers. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you mentioned Joe Pesci, and I was uh, looking around on people's resumes who, who worked on this movie and the other mm. movies they worked on. And um, the another movie the music guy worked on was uh, one I had forgotten existed until yesterday, which is called With Honors. And it's uh, Joe Pesci as a homeless man who inspires a bunch of Harvard students. Oh, God. <laughs> That is that is this is the peak of cinema. Again, Michael, that that uh, sounds like something that would be in one of your comics. Like it, it it sounds like (laughs) one of those ideas where it would be something intentionally sending up the concept, but they did it totally earnestly, right? Oh yeah, that's wild. Wow. (laughs) I. I mean, we have to do that movie at some point. I can't. I can't imagine. There, a world there's where too we many don't. movies in the '90s that are like. I think the most emblematic movie of this era is Heart and Souls, the Robert Downey oh, Jr. God, vehicle, yeah. where yeah. he is a baby that was born on the same day that like five other people die on a trolley, and then like these ghosts of these people are with him his entire life until he gets to like his teenage years when he goes to get therapy and shock treatment and forgets about them. This is the first five minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie is he's now Robert Downey Jr. He's a shithead lawyer, like uh, like regarding Henry situation. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And all of the souls of these dead people have, have reemerged and found a way to contact him because they, they have like a week before they can, they either go to heaven or they just miss the bus forever. Fine. And then uh, and then Robert Downey Jr. does like an Aunt Jemima routine at some oh, point. Lord. It's, <laughs> is wow. it Charles Grodin one of them? Charles Grodin is one of what? them. I think no way. Kira, Kira Sedgwick is one. Alfre Woodard is the black woman who is one of the hmm. ghosts who he does not impersonate well at all oh. because he just goes straight into a minstrel routine. Oh, dear. Um, and oh, that was no, no, that no. was two years after this. But that's the movie. Whenever I talk about like the era of the 90s and how you could just sort of sell a screenplay and yeah. get a movie made that is like the ultimate one of these movies and it's amazing how many similar things happen in this exact film well so there i guess was a template for it really yeah. it yeah, feels I like guess. it was written from a template well in- oh yeah so I, I followed the resume of the guy who uh who wrote and directed this yeah. this is his one feature right mm-hmm. but his work does kind of fall into these themes a lot because after this he produced the show probably never seen this but forever night where it was no. a, a, a cop who was a vampire. and uh, Oh, my God. It was one of those syndicated uh, Canadian shows. Oh, hell oh, okay. yeah. Absolutely. Have, yeah. Like the yeah. WGN. Syndicated yeah. Canadian shows uh, back then. This is an authentic memory from the period. And uh, they didn't have a, a late night talk show on CBS. So they had something they called Crime Time after Prime Time. <laughs> and it would be showings of uh, Forever Night 
silk stockings, which was oh, crimes yeah. like on, on beaches and stuff. You know, and, uh, and that's and a great that, like cocaine great. architecture show. What's so funny yeah, is, you know, we, we've we've talked before on this show about um, New York Undercover, the uh, Fox Network police procedural, oh, yeah. which, yeah. you know, we watched it and it was it was like a pretty standard ish police procedural. But yeah, com- Dick Wolf kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. But with some interesting characters and some fun character choices and compared to that kind of stuff, it sounds downright fucking great. Like <laughs> you forget yeah. just how bad things were in the 90s and um, just just a just a dearth of of good culture. And and uh, speaking of bad things, yeah. we get a scene all about Crystal Garrity uh, between Bob Hoskins and uh, Denzel Washington, where uh Denzel just starts psychoanalyzing Bob Hoskins right. and saying like your life is like all that film you keep in the fishbowl. Hey, <laughs> hey, remember all that film he keeps in the fishbowl? That's going to be important later. <laughs> like also Bob put that in your refrigerator. Come on, it's expiring. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh and he's just like you want to you want to control people. Like you don't you don't want to you don't want anything out of your control. But he does this a lot where he gives him sort of like blanket psychological like evaluation, but then it contradicts itself like almost every other scene. Well, and this is sort of the thing too yeah. is, you know, it is the number one rule of writing that everybody knows to the point it's come become cliche is show don't tell. And to the extent that we've been shown yeah. anything, it's that Bob Hoskins is a slob. He likes burgers. And he throws around <laughs> racial slurs with 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 abandon. And now we're supposed to be believing that he's like this sensitive guy who like, you know, he's 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 a little bit hard edged, but ultimately he's got a heart of gold. And literally nothing we have seen up to this point justifies the psychoanalysis that we are hearing whatsoever. He's, and nope. he's yeah. very angry for reasons that are never explained. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Never. That's right. There's and, not even like any, my dad hit yeah. me or like, you know, like there yeah. was no, like there's no, no yeah, trauma. He's he just an asshole. A dad. He, yeah. he doesn't have a dad. He doesn't have a mom. He's he's a homunculus <laughs> who just emerged one day out of that burger stand. Right. And said, I'm a cop, just by an, the way. I, he, yeah. He's just an idea of a racist cop mm-hmm. in the same way. Denzel is, I guess, the idea of a black lawyer. Right. Who's not really a lawyer, but just a pimp. So this then carries into the next scene where there is the date. And again, it just keeps going. It just keeps I mean, going on. The second they, act they of this keep movie to get is into longer the, than both of the other acts. So yeah, yes. they keep trying to get into the drama of these scenes. And it's just through this dialogue that is cyclical. It keeps going on and it is drowned in the synth because they know they're not selling it. So they're like, this will finally save well, it. it. Just play a really long sustained note on the goddamn synthesizer. Really long and really loud is the other thing that I would note. So, the yeah, sound no, I mean, mixing is the levels are terrible. High. You know how loud the music is relative to the dialogue? You can't hear half of what they're they fucking don't saying. They do you to no. hear it. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> We we besides the, besides the soundtrack is vocalizing itself all the time, going like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I forgot, we forgot to mention at the beginning of this movie. Uh, over, it's silent for like the first couple seconds, and then you just hear 
uh, <laughs> people talking over it, and then yeah. that repeats throughout the movie that there's just a, a bunch of like, oh, this is gonna it's be so fun in mixed. like slow motion. <laughs> it's really confusing. Um, not nothing more confusing, I think, than the opening shot of this dinner scene mm. where the smallest lobster. I have ever seen in my life <laughs> is placed very delicately onto a plate and Bob Hoskins is out of his element. He likes burgers, he right. likes bourbon and right. all of a sudden this I guess priest walks up to the table <laughs> with the silliest accent you've ever heard in your life um, because it's not a real accent. I'm pretty it's, sure it, it's Italian really Norwegian. performance. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. And again, like thinking about like, well, what would a version of this movie look like that was good? You would find somebody who is actually able to make strong choices that are funny. You would find like, yeah. you know, this would be like like Steve yeah, Martin or be, something like that. Yeah, this would be like where you get um, John Leguizamo. Sure, right. Sure, absolutely. Well, it it feels a little. It actually feels I feel bad for the guy in this scene because he's actively sweating. He clearly has yeah. like a stutter going on and he's, he's very nervous time, about delivering all these specials. Do you and think they're openly just, laughing at him. Do you think these were just really hot sets or were they actually spraying these people down between takes? Hard like, to no, say. you have to be intentionally sweating. Giving them all cocaine between <laughs> <laughs> The ginger root the sauce. Uh, he he sounds like Jared Leto in uh the Gucci movie. Oh yeah, House of Gucci. Yeah, no, no, uh, the Gucci movie. It's the Disney <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the sequel, an bonding. extremely Gucci movie. Go to the X Games. <laughs> That's one we should it's talk just about. Adam at some Driver's point. corpse on a skateboard going <laughs> up and down a ramp. So um. Ultimately, how are we still on this day? I don't know. We, we, gotta get, we gotta get out of here. But they it's, fuck. it's they also worth noting sex. that this is what it uh, feels like. This is what this yeah. movie feels like all the time. <laughs> Listeners, yeah. if you are frustrated that we keep getting stuck. That's what watching this movie feels so, like. That's so we start on the date. We start at the date in yep. the fancy place. Yep. And Denzel Washington is like masturbating over like all like the amazing food that he's yep. going to have there. Yep. And Bajas yeah, this is, like, is the this is the scene that the Frighteners did much better. Yep. Um, uh, Bob Hoskins gets nervous midway through. He goes to the bathroom. He locks himself in a stall and screams, "I'm not gonna blow it!" And there's a Chloe, guy who's like, yeah. oh, "I don't even, re I don't even remember." Chloe Webb is, Chloe Webb is very <laughs> impressed that Bob Hoskins knows what Evian is. Yeah. Uh, she's also very impressed that his oh suit is slightly better than it usually is. And, yeah. and she's very so impressed great. by his horrible hairpiece. But yeah, yes. they, they go back to the hotel. They have sex. Yep. Well, they first go to a pool hall, remember, Brian? The, No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they I fight each other with sticks. what else they do. They just, they have a problem. It's irreconcilable. Yep. And she ends up leaving again. That's exactly it's, right. That's, that's all that happens. That's, that's the bond. only thing that they, ever happens. But they have to get Brian, they bond, they bond over the next door neighbor, whose name is Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Arcadian, and how she's you, Mrs. Arcadian, the Armenian. How do you remember this? Because I, I took note of Mrs. Arcadian, the Armenian, because it's like, oh, I guess it's, it's 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 his favorite song from the Music Man. <laughs> Michael, I um, want to bring you back into the conversation right now, but I honestly don't know how. Uh, what are to your do thoughts that? on Mrs. Thoughts? Arcadian, the Armenian? <laughs> shut up, AJ. Shut the fuck up, AJ. Shut up. Fuck you. <laughs> Have they had the discussion yet where Denzel is like, you got to listen to her. What's yeah, her favorite? That happens before the no. date. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is also really weird. Like, that's not how it works either. People aren't like, oh, he remembers my 
pet back home. Okay. Yeah. No. You know, he's he's a good listener. Yeah, and he even feeds Bob Hoskins like one incorrect fact. Yeah. Her favorite movie, which he says is Pinocchio, but it turns out to be The Parent Trap. Right. Yeah. Very similar sounding films. Right. They all big fans of Haley Mills. It's like it's it, it's just all this stuff that seems to be signifying that something is going to happen, and then just. Nothing happens. Well, Denzel Washington does watch Bob Hoskins have sex with Chloe <laughs> Webb, and yeah. which we, he will do for the rest of Bob Hoskins' life. That's yeah. a good point. That is true. Yeah, I mean, spoilers. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just kind of a pervert. Um, yeah, he just wants to hang around. Right, right. <laughs> you ever hang uh, around the gym? Like it's <laughs> really hard. It is. It is really hard to think of any other of other ghost movies where there's like no reason. For the right. ghost to be there, right? He has yeah. he has some interest, I guess, in solving his murder. But it's know, not somehow, very active. Oh, like no. he doesn't yeah. really yeah. seem to way, care. Folks, remember, remember how much time they spent at the beginning on the dead senator? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to bring that up again. I mean, it does come it, back later, but it's like there's it's the entire really mysterious. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. very mysterious. What could have happened to the like? What's the crime? Who's the guilty party? Right. What's going on? Right. Could, it be, could it be the evil man yeah. with the big cell phone? All, uh, all we really know at this point. Uh, all crimes are being done by that one guy with the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Even in that scene where with his mom, where his mom's like, my son is trash. There is actually like <laughs> true love there and like gravitas yeah. from him. And any time that the script like allows him to act that way, the movie improves exponentially. Uh, none more so than when we get into this uh, fight the next morning where Denzel's like, you have to question Chloe Webb about what happened the night I died. Yeah. And that just doesn't go over well. Mm-mm. And she, she leaves and, you know, that's yeah, that's going to set up pretty much the back third of this movie, more or less, um, because, you know, from here, some more plots going to happen before. We you know what, Josh? You know what, Josh? <sighs> that plot? Yeah. I think it's going to happen after our break. I, I would like for it to happen after our break. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, connoisseurs of ear-based entertainment. It is I, Lord Bartholomew Batterby, a member of the landed gentry and local sports correspondent for the BBC, the British Badger Corporation, here to cordially invite you to the next rousing Badger game, happening in a fortnight's time at the Wii Sports Arena located behind the gazebo in scenic Badgerton, England. Come bear witness to some of the top players in the Premier Badger League, including Heath Badger, Badger Main Clement, and local favorite Dan the Badger, whose sprawling athleticism has captured the heart of every Badgertonian since... Listeners, I have been handed startling news. Dan the Badger has quite suddenly passed away. He was struck in the head by a wayward badger ball and did not recover. He is survived by no immediate family. A memorial service will be held at the Wii Sports Arena this weekend for any and all who wish to pay their respects. I'm sorry. This is... Uh... Dan wasn't just a preeminent athlete, he was also a dear friend. I hadn't spoken to him in years, he was always so busy travelling, I always thought we would 
We met at university. We were from very different worlds. He was there on scholarship. I was there because my father made a few calls. It aided me, always. I felt like an imposter, but that never mattered to Dan. He was so self-possessed and assured that if he chose to make you his friend, it meant that maybe, maybe there was something in you worth loving. A memory stirs. It's autumn. I'm at some party at Kappa Badger Pie, drowning the sorrows of our school's loss at the hands of Cambadge, when I suddenly realize that Dan is nowhere in sight. I search and search and find him, sitting alone on the roof of the burrow, staring up at the night sky. I ask him if he is all right, tell him it was a real shame about the game, how beautiful it was to watch him play, as always. He doesn't make eye contact with me. It's clear he's been crying. He just stares up at the stars as we sit in silence. Then, after a time, more to himself than to me, he says, There will always be another game. There will always be another game. The only thing that brings me comfort, dear listeners, is that even though Dan's lost this one, there will always be another game. And I can't wait to see him play it. For the British Badger Corporation, this is Lord Bartholomew Badgerby saying, Godspeed, Dan the Badger. Godspeed. So here's a minor sampler of what else was going on in the 90s. Uh, this is excluding like the big stuff. This is a lot of like the I'm just looking at the mid grade. So we had stuff like Quigley Down Under. Oh, my God. Quigley you know? Down Under. Pretty yeah. good by comparison. Yeah. Yeah. The sequel to Look Who's Talking. Mm. Uh, that was Look, uh, who's, Look talking who's Talking Now. Two. Or Look Who's Talking, two. talking two. Yeah. Now is, is the, the third, third one. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Patrick Shanley's movie Joe versus the Volcano, which rules. Yeah. Well, the first which two thirds. Good, yeah. The first yeah. two. Thir- the first two thirds of that yeah. movie rule, and then the third part is not very. It's not very good. Um, My Blue Heaven, mm. which has its moments. Uh, that mm. was a movie that got turned down by Arnold Schwarzenegger because he took Kindergarten Cop instead. Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah, smart man. <laughs> and then like uh, Awakenings. Which is a fantastic movie. Mm. Um, that this is this is what's on offer in 1990, okay. just in sort of the the, the vague and, sense. These are, and these State are the kind of Grace, of, which was an incoherent, bellowing mess. What was the Academy <laughs> Award winner this year for Best Picture? Dances with Wolves oh. is the winner. Oh boy! Um, Real banner out. two wow. years for the Oscars. Beating Holy shit! Awakenings, Ghost, the Godfather Part Three, and Goodfellas. Imagine Goodfellas fucking oh, losing Goodfellas in that category. Lost in Dancing with film. Wolves. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! Kevin Costner had so much power. You don't understand. <laughs> like before Weinstein turned the whole system over, I feel like Costner had everyone's balls in a vice grip. <laughs> Uh, Speaking well, of see. balls in a vice grip. Mm. Wait, wait, no, no, we're still talking about the Oscars here. Not, not just yet. Not just yet. Because Brian, I don't, Brian, I don't want to talk about my this. Balls I, I don't script. want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the best actor winner was Jeremy Irons in Reversal of Fortune, where he played mm. Klaus von Bülow, the movie about how great Alan Dershowitz is. Nice. Um, 
Dear God. Then uh, Kathy Bates won for Misery this year. So it's 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 Goodfellas, it's Ghost, it's Misery, it's Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Uh, best foreign film is Journey of Hope, which was Swiss. I've never heard of it. Um, but if it's Swiss, it's probably Brian? pretty good. Brian. What? What? We have to talk about the movie now. We do. I'm I'm don't. so sorry. I, I don't want to do it either. But like, look, we I have so to. It's a, Journey of Hope is a co-production. Actually, it's Swiss Champ. and Turkish. Champ. They we, shot it in we Turkey. Gotta, we got to do this. Your we mom got, and I have been talking, and we're just we're really worried about you. I don't want to. I don't want to come back. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get through it. After this hour, you know what? Michael's gonna go take us for ice cream. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Van Leeuwen. Oh, wow. <laughs> Big spender. Big my spender. Let's go. No, actually, my son's been making me take him to this. There's this chain now where you get like a fish pancake cone with custard at the bottom or red bean paste. Oh. And then it's got ice cream in it. There, There's one in Williamsburg now. There's one in. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Midtown. Oh, I can't remember the name. He's, he swears it's a Sanrio company. Oh, okay. So is this when we go to the beach? Is this the beach well, scene? Well, so, okay, let's... Yes, we're, uh, yes okay. we're almost, yes. We're we're almost, almost to the beach. beach. We're almost to the yeah. beach, Brian. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> oh, God. When um, the movie gets serious. Sam, I will meet you on the beach. I'm getting lost in my own notes right now. That's how yeah. bad this is. Um, there's a very convoluted turn here where Bob yeah. Hoskins is put on desk duty that we've referred to before. Yes, right, because he, like... Oh, right, he, he has to go back to the station Because also point. everybody yeah. else, he, like, getting out of the hotel, he gets busted by his colleagues leagues because they're worried about his mental health. They don't realize that it's to do with his heart condition. Uh, they think that something is going on in his head. He's talking um, to somebody who isn't there. He's behaving right. very erratically. Right. You Doing know, slapstick. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's screaming in the office, in the police station, like to no you've, one. You've it's been like, diagnosed with slapstick. <laughs> so uh, he goes back to his apartment. And by the way, to the point of like how just the material conditions of the 90s that we were talking about earlier, his apartment is so big. He has this it's enormous. huge yeah. fucking apartment. Huge. Um, and he's supposed to be like, it's really kind of implied that like, he's not broke, but he's not doing great either. No, no, but he just got passed up for promotion, remember? It's right. promotion week. This but whole thing takes place during promotion week. Savings on his makeover. On his yeah. makeover yeah. and on bottles of Jim well, Beam. That, that, I think that was milk. the bowling alley money because he oh, had no right. money. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what the bowling alley money was for. It was like that's 200K. That's what tipped the cops that something weird was going on. But uh, uh, that 200K but has now been... But that's illegal, and if they actually investigated him and found that he suddenly had... Uh, $150,000. Well, they, they even, there's even a throwaway. That he stole from hip hop bowling. <laughs> yeah. There's even he a throwaway the line in there that lane. he like bought. He buys a car with cash. He buys like a $60,000 yes. Ferrari with cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, they, not, and, they do and say, when I say with, with cash, I don't mean like from the bank. I mean with actual cash. So, so yeah. his 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 boss basically lays it down on the line and says, "Hey, I didn't want to take you back. I was made to take you back. I think you're a racist piece of shit. And also, uh, tomorrow morning you are going to be evaluated. And right. if you are found to be cuckoo banana pants, we are shipping you off to a mental institution. So now we have a deadline, right? We have you know a ticking clock, as right. it were. Finally, I'm gonna gun to my head. I can't tell you how he gets to the beach. He does detective work <laughs> to figure out that there is like a sort of tar on the bottom yeah. of Crystal's yeah, yeah, heel. Yeah, because yeah. he finally develops one of the, the rolls of film and because there yes. was something in one of those photos. I didn't even remember he'd actually developed He the noticed film something and, in one of the photos that led him to realize that Crystal would be on the beach. 
beach. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. Now we're on the beach. He meets her up on it's the also beach. Also, just like the beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In also, California. Also, Denzel Washington says, "Oh, it can't be this easy." And I guess I don't think that was in the script. I think it was just Denzel <laughs> giving notes mid scene. So, so, she, so I want to read now, real quick, my notes verbatim yeah. from what happens yes, next. Please. I just yes, straight from this here. beach scene is ooh. All right, so here we go. Mm. Um. He tails his girlfriend back to the beach. Well, not girlfriend, but you know, the his well, ex, whatever, his ex, whatever. Yeah. who cares? Who fucking cares? But <laughs> so she starts melting down. She just completely starts melting down. She's like, you know, you, you can't follow me here. You can't do this. And this is a very strange performance. And again, this is just reading verbatim from my notes. This performance is so strange. It's one of the weirdest performances of fear slash grief I've ever seen. And oh my God, she had Denzel Washington's baby. <laughs> my, my entire note for this for probably the this half hour chunk of the movie was just now there's a baby yeah <laughs> Denzel's the baby, got a son and it's it, and, a and, baby who gets put through some shit oh in yeah a way oh, that man. absolutely yes. a thousand percent could not do now like like yeah, yeah. they would battleship Potemkin level shit but it's upsetting uh, it's this, actually upsetting it is yeah. and, and there's this really bizarre like the way that the baby is established is bizarre like <laughs> it's just kind of like revealed who that she, do you care for she has this, like, baby, this baby and this baby is black and so that means that it's and then and then Denzel Washington has a whole thing where it's like oh I have a baby and again I think for what the thing is he plays it pretty nicely he plays it in the way yeah, that again, a man he just doesn't his son let it would get be, leaden yeah he yeah. gets the big bucks he can sell absolutely you know, yeah yeah but anything this has this moment had the biggest unintentional laugh of the entire oh, movie oh I laughed for me. so hard uh because Denzel Washington <laughs> sees this child and Chloe Webb says I had a baby and it cuts back to Denzel Washington and he just mouths the word baby. <laughs> How did Denzel not know that she was pregnant? Yeah, that's Th that takes a while oh, for three months. Yeah, she was pregnant for three months before he died. Wait, wait, wait. wait she was pregnant for on. three months before he died. Th yes. That that much time has not passed. That doesn't make sense. This baby. No, because no, 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 you miss something. <laughs> okay, hospital. At the hospital, he had that scene where he shouted at the uh, surgeon, you know, you took it out, you, right. you put it in, take it out. Yeah, right, right, right. And then they cut to a therapist saying, after the eight months of physical therapy <laughs> you've just had. Oh, for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. Also, he was, yeah, under, he was wow. under for three weeks. So it's been a significant amount of time since Denzel Washington's death. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed that this... I mean, that's also not... I mean that's like an almost year old child, but I'm glad. Yeah. That, I'm yeah, glad. It's crazy. Why would why would the the people who did the crime even be living there Not, now? It's yeah, just ridiculous. Right. Like no one's moved since you know it happened, and they're all just standing around, literally at the end of the movie. So we'll standing we'll, around. We'll run through. We're gonna leave thumbs. a house like that. We'll run through that in a moment. But one thing that I wanted to ask Michael is, you know, your comics, some of them are very attuned to what I would say is like intentionally cheesy setups and like the cliches of strange or bad, you know, writing in a movie context, like this, this kind of stuff, yeah, like right? Hollywood. You have an eye for Hollywood, weird Hollywood tropes, the things that they do, the strange sort of like corners that they cut for the sake of expediency. And I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little bit to that, because it seems like that might be part of why you find this particular movie so interesting. Well, yeah, I, th I think I did grow up, you know, I grew up uh, in the 70s, 80s, uh, I was almost grown up by the 90s, but it was an era of culture where there was a lot of self-contradictory stuff mm -hmm. going on and just mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, odd misfiring, you know, 
uh, I think Hollywood really, really changed. Uh, the entertainment industry really has changed since then. So you, you can't just bumble around, you know, and go like, uh, you know, fisherman turns robot, you know, and get, a, you know, $3 million to make your movie or whatever. Right. You know, but yeah, I think uh, the, the, yeah, the just the ridiculousness of, of so much that was made back then really had an effect yeah and i don't know if it it gets any more ridiculous than denzel washington screaming the n-word so hard in bob hoskins face that he literally kills him (laughs) oh right i forgot the second well and it's not even the n-word he starts going into like different slurs for other ethnicities yeah Yeah. he ends it with a string of three n-words in a row but yeah no there's a lot of i just saw do the right thing i really liked that scene i'm gonna work this in here yep and then hoskins has a second heart he got a he got a shit heart first of all so he has a second heart attack But just to establish again why this is supposed to matter at this point the woman is in peril as is the baby the other pimp uh, I, I yeah, think baby in danger. That guy, the, the, the other pimp who's the, who's now the guy who is, you know, the hiring her out, villain, yeah. the soap yeah. opera villain who, by the way, cell has phone a, man. he has a real, yeah, guy cell phone man would be his, uh, Hideo Kojima name. Um, <laughs> he has a real nineties face. Um, he's like the ultimate nineties yeah. man. And, uh, yeah. if Bob Hoskins does not liberate her in time, he's going to do something. He's going to inject her with heroin so it looks like an overdose. Oh, that's right. right. That's the only way they kill anyone as the drug men is by giving them bad drugs. Right. Yeah, and they don't just go ahead and do it. They're like, put it on the calendar. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. first, first we've got to move her from what seemed like an exterior shot of a of a nice beach house yeah. into a haunted beach house yeah. <laughs> where we'll stand around. It's it's the beach house where like the Chechen separatists took over. It actually it, it vaguely looks like the background of every Christian rock song that came out in the 90s. <laughs> It's the background of a DC Talk music video. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, just the whole time that scene's going on, you just hear colored people. <laughs> it's so odd. It's so odd. And it's just like it's like in all this entertainment. Yeah, back then it's like crime is like a liminal space. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like you're on the beach. Mm-hmm. That's where there's there's crime and you know. Well, this goes it's back to the really sort of thing odd. that you had said earlier about with like Miami Vice and how like crime and all that thing. It's like a vibe. It's like a vibe that you feel and you kind of like these are crime vibes, man. Like this part of the beach yeah. has crime vibes to it. Crimes are going to happen. Why? Yeah, cause, because when you look at the mechanics of what they're doing, it's like what 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 was going on why do they have to cover up that the senator was using cocaine like who, who cares, who cares? That, that's that's Who's the whole paying them that's the whole point well, of killing someone through the drugs is that's like the perfect way to disguise it and there's no way like there's no way anyone can be like oh boy it was certainly the dealer poisoned them it's just like hey, yeah he, he did cocaine and he died yeah, there's never any like selling drugs or like you, know, yeah. you don't see any actual mechanics yeah, it's, of crime. It's, it's, it's just people yeah it's dying of them. drugs yeah if the drugs were laced yeah. it's not as if they could go back and perform an autopsy he's been in the ground for 
<laughs> eight months. Yeah, and but also, isn't that, isn't that what they in fact do? Don't they go? Is they, do they no, do, do they, they didn't autopsy? check for drugs? They don't even check for drugs it's in the original autopsy. It's, it's that they figured out they never did a toxicology report. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. that they tried to bury it because well, I, he was a family value senator. Let's go ahead and finish up what happens oh, here. I thought because they were saying they hadn't done the toxicology on Denzel. See, I I was just gone at this point. I was <laughs> just so, so I was on my it's phone. Very confusing. So, I, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This movie defies understanding. Yes. It yes. like shimmers and shifts yes. in front of you. The language is all like circular. And, the yeah. brief moment where like the the rookie is the the point man who discovers they didn't do. <laughs> they, they, they hadn't done the toxicology test. I'm not in supposed scene, to take that autopsy report in that out, scene but here where it is. he gets the call and he he goes in, into the files. I thought that he was a mole. I thought that was the whole thing that oh, was going on. Oh, that's more right. interesting like, than what it is. That wasn't what was happening. Uh, so no. Here's the thing that's happening to me right now. I keep looking at my notes and. It's almost like when you are reading things in a dream and the letters are rearranging themselves <laughs> on the page. I, my brain cannot make sense of what is going on right now and my own I, notes have become unintelligible to me. I think this movie isn't a text. I believe it is an entity. I believe there is a profound evil living at the center of this movie. And yeah. the more we try to understand it and the closer we get to the center of the labyrinth, the more we realize that the Minotaur has been behind us the whole time. And there's just a never ending spiral down into hell. Yeah, this movie so, is basically an SCP. The only way that I think all of us together, because this actually is starting to feel like a quest. That it's like an SCP. It's like an SCP that Francis Fukuyama wrote. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I think the only way we can do it is just to get through this final act as quickly, yes. as, quickly as possible. And yes, agreed. We f wake up with yeah. Bob Hoskins not dead, but in fact in a bed on life support. Right. Uh, with Denzel Washington telling him that that was a lot of excitement. Maybe next time we do bumper cars because that's going to solve the racism. <laughs> right. Uh, Bob Hoskins then tries to call everyone he knows in yep. order to try and get somebody to go and save Crystal. Get a really uh, nice series of one sided yeah. phone calls uh, there. I, I wrote this yeah. baby hostage. Right. Hostage baby. And yes. so the <laughs> final showdown the final ultimatum is he needs to bring the photos which are incriminating for a reason that is never fully explained to the yeah. drop-off point the drop-off point being the aforementioned chechen beach house <laughs> so weird where they're all just standing around like <laughs> just you know, their thumbs so he's gotta he's gotta go there nothing. he's gotta go there and he's gotta bring the photos um and, and drop them off in order for them to not kill her by poisoning her with too much heroin which and, they are going to forcibly inject into her yeah, body and and she can't escape because there's maybe four guards right yes and it's, she's it's holding not, the baby it's not, it's not a particularly bustling place and by no, the it's way not. he only has 40 minutes to do this he, he yeah like, for some reason it, this is so he hijacks a police car uh from the hospital and just peels the fuck out so finally we get to the final scene here in this house uh, that again, like I thought, looks like a level from either Hitman or Splinter Cell or something along those yeah. lines. This has real mm -hmm. video game mm -hmm. level vibes. And it feels like a video game and, level because he has to clear like the, the like, video game siren. You use your, your special seeing powers yeah, from beyond yeah. the dead to see where all of the henchmen are well, before you get to them. Yeah, he yeah. has to he has to clear the NPCs and he has to do it through yeah. stealth. This feels like a yeah. stealth so game. So he starts blasting. Bob Hoskins has a <laughs> fucking shotgun. Double barrel pump action shotgun. That is as big as he is. And it's also yes. fascinating because the bad guy, uh, when he sees Bob Hoskins arrive, 
he tells them to inject Crystal with half the dose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of just actually just doing it, he's like, ah, give her half. And, and, um, and to the point earlier about how, like, you know, again, they would not allow a baby to just, like, an actual baby to be around for mm. something like this. No. Well, and especially, like, this baby was on set for a long time. Yeah. No, it's right? harrowing because yeah. the baby is quite upset. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. actually not upset. having a good time. Yeah. yeah. You, you can have, these days, babies can be on set for, I think, 12 minutes. Oh, really? A day. Yeah. 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 Well, it's so many loud explosions happening around this yeah, kid. I right. can only imagine how terrible, it, how terrifying it must have been. Because what? Yeah, it's the most emotion you see from anyone in the entire movie. Is <laughs> That's that <baby>? true. <laughs> That's true. It all culminates with Bob Hoskins gets shot. Yep. Uh, yeah. In the shoulder. Not after... before tossing out a smoke grenade and firing off a couple shots of his own, of course. Yes. And uh, he then has to <laughs> not carry, per se, but like stand kind of awkwardly in front of Crystal as she's very high on heroin mm-hmm. and has this baby. And they have to get out of the building. And Denzel Washington is just kind of going around, like putting his hands vaguely near people and just like trying to lift them up. By the way, the amount of extras in this movie who like dead on look Denzel Washington in the face, uh, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's always people clocking him on set. It's hilarious. Absolutely. Um, And they make their way into the bathroom and they find a drop and the stakes could not be higher because they have to drop down a whole five feet. Right. I love that Denzel drops first. Like he still should be the point man for the guys with guns in the building. But he's like, hey, hey, watch me (laughs) jump down and follow me. The the rules of ghosts are weird in this movie, too, because wouldn't he just like plummet through the floor? Because ghosts are supposed to float because they're kind of existing kind of in the air. So obviously you haven't seen Ghost Dad. It's really only carpets and rugs that Mm. that happens with. No, Uh, I remember. Very clear. There was a movie you uh, mentioned earlier with Robert Downey Jr. It was. uh, Oh, oh, Heart and Souls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That because uh, PBS did a like uh, at the movies special on the incredible special effects oh, hell yeah. of Heart and Souls, oh, dear like God. how they disguised the wires when the five ghosts were like flying over a bridge or something. Wow! So special effects were not what was where the they deal are with now. ghosts in the like early nineties? What was that? Well, and ghosts came out this this same year. Wait, before or after this movie? I'm sure after it was cl- probably closer to awards season. Huh. This movie was dumped out at the beginning of February. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I, th- I think the thing that I, I I actually think is the biggest missed opportunity is on the poster of this film. It shows Bob Hoskins reaching his hand uh, and putting it up against a wall, but it's going through Denzel right. Washington. And there aren't any of those kind of effects in this movie. Like, no, they don't do yeah. they don't do any ghost things at all. Well, there he, are no ghost shenanigans. He also, Aside from a crossfade here and there. That isn't the kind of ghost that he is. He is, in fact, at least to uh, Bob Hoskins fully corporeal. He has the ability to manipulate him. You can't just yeah. like move through him. Anyway. Denzel might not have waited to play a horny ghost where he's always like, excuse me. Girls, locker room, you know. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, he's, uh, what was that movie? Sitting in a chair watching Bob Hoskins just get railed. What was that um, Kevin Bacon movie where he was invisible and used that to be like Hollow a creepy Man. sex pest? Yeah. Uh, Hollow Man. Yeah. But that's that's an H.G. Yeah. Wells. That's, that's just a remake of of like the the invisible man right that one's not a, a ghost it's you know science fiction right. horror kind of thing anyway you know? um, um let's let's please wrap let's this up so, yeah, i don't know everyone was just like put a ghost in it yeah. Yeah. i guess you know it sold for a while well, again i was looking at the guy who wrote and directed this and the next thing he did actually was a, a pilot for a series that was not picked up 
mm. from an Anne Rice idea, and it was called oh. uh, Rag and Bone TV movie 1998. Mm. Ooh, uh, with a ghost involved? With Dean Kane and Robert Patrick. Uh, the life of a priest seconded to a New Orleans police department begins to what? fall apart when he is wrongly implicated in the shooting of a suspect. However, it comes to light that the precinct is haunted no. by the spirit of a deceased <laughs> no policeman who helps a beleaguered cleric to solve the case and clear his name. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, so there, I know I've said I'm going to become the Joker, but I feel like I'm going to become the Joker again. Oh my God. Um, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I say this, but like every single one of these synopses sounds like something that would be in one of those like thrizzle volumes that you wrote a while uh, back, Michael. Like it's just, yeah. oh my God. Um, yeah, it's so, almost a 30 rock bit. I, <laughs> so Bob Hoskins uh, is about to go out the window yep. and uh, evil a bad guy, self, a guy cell phone man uh, appears yeah. and guess what? His cell phone goes off yeah. alerting Bob Hoskins this uh, Chekhov's cell phone and he turns around and shoots uh, the bad guy but not after the before the bad guy gets one last shot off right. on Bob Hoskins Bob Hoskins falls out the window rolls down it's into the, the sand it's the one thing it's the one thing that has payoff in this whole movie yep. is the cell yeah, it's phone true. Yep. it's true uh, at that point anything is possible I'm like maybe the dildo is going to come back yeah, right uh, Crystal and the baby hold Bob Hoskins as, an, as a helicopter flies in but it's sort of this very you know uh, Jesus in the arms of his mother shot and it's going to be like, you know, oh, God, Bob Hoskins sacrificed, him, sacrificed right. himself so that these two could live and maybe the next generation mm, go on. Right. We cut to a church right. with the morning bells pealing and you're like, oh, we're going to see the funeral. It's going to be so devastating. It's a marriage. Mm. He's fine. Yeah. yeah Bob Hoskins good. is fine. They faked you out, guys. It's uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they tricked you. And gotcha. guess who came to the wedding? Guess who came to the wedding? Bubba. That guy Every from the hip hop bowling character yeah. in the movie. Everybody yeah. from the from the hip hop bowling alley shows up. I, I just want to know how yeah. he smoothed that over with <laughs> Bubba specifically. <laughs> like, Archimedes, hey. I don't know. Uh, yes, uh, I took two hundred thousand dollars and I, I hit you, but uh, your brother is inside me and he made me do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they all they all gather outside. Uh, the worst song that I've ever heard in my life begins to play, <laughs> called uh, "Have a Heart." <laughs> <laughs> which I think I is I'm so mad I'm shaking even reading it. Yeah, um, let's let, we should we should play this episode out with that song, no. Brian. Yeah, no, no we, should, so. we should do a freeze frame. So this, uh, that song podcast freeze frame is actually being performed by Bonnie Raitt mm. and uh, was written by I don't know who Bonnie Hayes is, but I guess she wrote songs. What if it's sometimes. just Bonnie Raitt, but like under a pen? <laughs> yeah, under a pen. I'm not Bonnie Raitt. I'm Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Um, Alan Smithy. So they all get together for a final photo Hoskins has his arm weird and uh, his partner's like hey why is his arm weird uh, and uh, the other rookie cop goes nah it must be because of his heart, heart condition, condition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. that's the title of the movie that he's, he's got his arm around uh, Denzel Washington and is looking at him with love and, yep. and respect yep. yeah, and, and, and it's, 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 it's a black and white right photo before that yeah, yeah, where he's holding the baby and oh, yes. like right. holding it affectionately close to him. So and it's clear that the N -word his into racism his has been yeah. cured. But it's like there's supposed to be a transition that's taken place where his racism right. has been cured. That's right. kind of implied. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 Never I never guess. saw it. His yeah. heart condition actually has been cured. 
with a shotgun. Colored people. Ultimately, what is racism but a heart condition? And I actually think, by the way, that that is the message of this movie. Um, yeah. To the extent that it has a message, it goes it goes back to the thing of like racism being a matter first and foremost of personal bigotry, and ultimately, mm-hmm. if we just all got to know each other a little bit better, you know, it, we, we wouldn't be racist anymore. Does Bob Hoskins yeah. have a job at the end of this movie? Like, is he a cop again? Or yeah, because he was proven right because of the drug deal somehow. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there was that house full of those men standing around. That's all you need. <laughs> just right. in his capacity, that, that his capacity as a private citizen, he yeah. went and just shot a couple of guys, and then it's just like, yeah. It's all going off the testimony of Crystal Garrity, though, now that I'm thinking about it. And cops notoriously (laughs) don't really trust sex workers particularly much. So, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. He has a job. His racism's cured. I don't want to think about this. Maybe he's at the bowling alley now. Maybe he's at the hip hop. Yeah, bowling. maybe. Maybe he's the pin setter in the back. Oh, there he's, we go. That's a good job. Bob Hoskins was such an amazing performer, but I don't think he vetted his scripts very carefully, mm-hmm. especially during no. this period. No, no, when no. When was the uh, Mario Brothers movie? A few years after Repair- this. Yeah, yeah 90, apparently he didn't know it was. Uh, apparently he didn't know it was a. Uh, based on a video game when he signed up for it. He did not, no. (laughs) And then I found a quote from him recently where he's like, uh, morons, they were idiots, you know, bruises who thought they were on Tila. I think he went to his death regretting one thing and that was the Mario movie and somehow not this. Yeah, yeah. no, he was very um, proud of this one. Yeah, uh, the Mario movie is better than this. Oh, I have to say, yeah. It's infinitely more interesting good. and Dennis Hopper gives a chilling, a bone-chilling performance. Also, I, I disagree, but it is watchable. <laughs> um, it's got sets, it's got characters. Yeah, yeah, it has a plot that makes kind of no, sense. No, not really. Not, not really. I, was, so, I, was it, I felt myself it's, stretching. It's so, it's so wacky and outlandish that you just have to delight in how misconceived it is whereas this movie you have to you have to be an incredibly damaged person to watch it more than once (laughs) (laughs) so michael thank you for coming on the show Uh, we're very happy it's like how harry Shearer described uh the day the clown cried it's like it's like a painting of auschwitz on black velvet right right it's just like the worst taste possible in every dimension. Yes. And, and I think, I think that just the reason too, that like you can take something like again, Mario brothers movie that makes a lot of bad creative choices, but like there's something entertaining about it because the stakes are very low and it's not dealing with anything that's like real or matters. Whereas there's mm-hmm. something about this movie in the way that it's, attempting to grapple with a number of very real societal problems, yeah. including, but not limited to sex work and you know the overcriminalization policing of sex work uh racism here's where i'll say i don't think it's really trying to grapple with the problems as problems so much as these are easy shorthand things that you put in a movie script sure and again this yeah. guy just wanted to have a shootout he wanted to have a hostage baby he wanted to have a makeover <laughs> sequence he yeah. wanted to have a ghost and and a racist cop you know it all just starts to like mash together because it's just stuff that happens in other but movies but i think that's what makes it feel so yeah. offensive right because yeah. if you yeah. are dealing with this subject matter you need to treat it with the gravity and respect that it deserves otherwise it just feels it feels yeah, but bad. it was it was 1990. It's oh, it was over then. It stopped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. true. 
Well, the thing also is that the characters in this movie are constantly referencing that what's happening to them is like what's happens in other better movies. Mm. So there's a bit where it's just like, ah, there's like there's as much intrigue as in that Redford picture. Uh, or like uh, at another oh, point, yeah. it's just like, uh, th- yeah, there's like a drug ring like in that movie with the uh, blah, blah, blah. And they just never mention the movie because he trails off and is cut off. But it's like <laughs> it, it is a movie that is that is so desperately trying to be any movie that it isn't and it ends up feeling maddening to try and dive into it because it not only is there known they're there but when you dive into it you you hit concrete immediately yeah like there's no pool it's just it's a sidewalk you're diving into a sidewalk I, i took so much psychic damage attempting to just recap this thing because we just kept getting stuck and it's it's that's that's what watching this movie feels like too. And Michael, you, I, I I I am enjoying watching you laugh at our misfortune because you have cursed <laughs> us with this horrible horrible thing. Yeah, well, the first time I watched it, I think it was uh, with my wife, and we were you know, and I knew we were both like, "What the fuck was yeah. that?" <laughs> uh, that was really something. And then it just kind of stuck in my mind, you know, for a while until I was like, "I gotta go back and see that again because it was just <laughs> what was going on there." You know, um, Denzel Washington is an amazing actor. I was kind of going through his catalog and he's made a wide variety of films. Like Mm -hmm. to contrast with this would be uh, Devil with a Blue Dress, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, really well plotted and really strong. Yeah. And uh, he's fantastic in it. He's he's good in everything he does. But some of the movies he's done are just this is I think this was actually ranked the worst by by Vulture. Which makes sense. Yeah. But the other one I mentioned that uh, I also suggested as a possibility was the one from 10 years earlier uh, where he's George Siegel's son who shows up. Yes. Carbon copy. Carbon copy. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a very similar movie in kind of its basic setup. It's where it's just like it's not so much like let's make fun of the racism here. It's like, isn't it so wacky? That this guy has a black son. Oh, I just yeah, got the title. Very weird. Oh, yeah. fuck! That title sucks. Yeah, yeah. When you when you realize, like, when you go back to like you know carbon paper, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh um, boy. So so it's he, embarrassing. It's it's uh, yeah. It's it's weird because it does actually show like every white character being very racist, including uh, George Siegel, who you know Denzel Washington comes and he's like, I'm your son, and he's kind of like written to be like a wise-ass teenager, but he's still Denzel Washington. And George right. Siegel treats him like a cockroach that has learned to talk and is, you know, there talking at him. He's just like full of contempt. You can't do you that know, like, to sh- Denzel. Just shut up. Yeah, no. Um, Denzel's paid his dues repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, here's, here's a question I have for you, Michael. Um, this movie... Uh, uh, the urban legend around it is that it scared Denzel Washington off of doing a comedy for the next 20 years. He didn't do um, <laughs> the material is so bad that mm. like because I do think he does have a good sense of like he can be he can be light. Certainly, he, he, he you know, most of what he does dramatically is very, very heavy because that's, you know, what his wheelhouse is, what he chooses to do. Exactly. Yeah, because I think the 80s, you had a lot of stuff. He was doing stuff that was more that that wasn't as heavy. It right. was you know he was doing more kind of blockbuster pictures, you know, like the Mighty Quinn, um, as well oh, as yeah. things like Glory. Yeah. But then then he found his lane. He found the kind of movies that he wanted to do, right. and he became the Denzel Washington. And it was like, this is what I'm going to do. It's, it's, and it's hard to say because like you know, 
without having really good material to work with, it's hard to know whether or not somebody is funny. I, I can't tell, yeah. honestly, whether Denzel Washington could have had the comic chops to be like a, you know, John C. Riley type where he can like just do both effortlessly or yeah. if he ultimately like can stand up and present in a way that is, you know, fun, but maybe not funny because those two things are very mm-hmm. different from each other. You know and what I mean? I think yeah. that's that's like what much ado about nothing is. It's more fun right. than funny. Right. Yes. Um, and he's I mean, he's the best part of that movie. Huh. Yeah. But it's it's because it's just it's a character with a light touch and Denzel is like a master of the light touch. Uh, but like I'm, I'm looking at Hoskins. I'm looking at the other movies he did right around this time. He was averaging two movies a year. Right. Yeah. Which the man is crazy. Was working. I mean, like so like 1988, two movies, 1989, one movie, 1992 movies, 1991, four movies, 1992, mm. two movies, 93, three movies. He was just really really pumping it out and so you get yeah. things like who uh who framed roger rabbit in 88 mm-hmm. uh you get heart condition you get hook which was very disappointing <laughs> at the time that it came out but the generation that grew up with it ended up liking Including it a lot me. yeah um and and his performance in hook is amazing no it's incredible um uh he gets to use his authentic accent which is always uh, nice yeah, to see because yeah. he he really tried to cover it up with uh, being like this very hard cop. It's a little, I think it's a little better in his other films than it is in Heart Condition. Uh, I think Michael, you you referenced that earlier, but it's just like he yeah, his idea of being American is just kind of growling a lot, like, yeah. like <laughs> kind of like Hugh Laurie as House. Uh, yeah, and, like... well, it sets a precedent too because like Cumberbatch comes around for Stephen Strange and he does this Hugh Laurie voice, and it seems as though the easiest shortcut to, for a Brit to do an American accent is just to put it really down here right. because it makes you focus on your R's in like a very intense way. Yeah, the mistake the British make with an English accent is when they go for the R's too hard. Yep. You know, yeah, just... you're my dear wife, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> My dear, I like, I like Julia. Julia, uh, uh, yeah. Then they just sound like they're from Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Succession and um, the guy yeah. on that Matthew McFadden. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. only seen doing stiff upper lip uh, English stuff before. Yeah, he's amazing. Oh, he's yeah, phenomenal. His American accent really is incredible. incredible. I, 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 I conversely was introduced to him in Succession, and I my mind was blown when I found out that he is not, in fact, American. Yeah, uh, Michael, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> Uh, not, no, not, not so much. I'm working on, uh, revamping some artwork for, uh, They Might Be Giants album I did 20 years ago. Oh, fantastic. Uh, they're putting it out on vinyl. That's Sweet. exciting. Cool. I'm working on a, I'm working on a graphic novel. Actually, it's about, it's, uh, about a movie star who gets frozen now and wakes up a thousand years in the future and becomes an undercover cop. But part of the <laughs> idea in it is kind of, you know, inspired by all this stuff, by like everything in popular culture that is about crime, because I, as I was writing it, I was finding it a very funny idea to just have him be going, oh, wait, by the way, what is crime? Like, <laughs> what, what, what is crime? You know, and not getting an answer. And, um, you know, just uh, just heading towards the idea that crime is actually just like a manifestation of some idea of duality that man has mm. that we, you know, yeah. kind of cast a spectrum and and deem part of it to be crime so that's very exciting additionally uh if if people are interested in you know your current work uh you know stuff that you've published in the past is there anything that you'd recommend folks check out yeah you know it's all good (laughs) (laughs) when denzel washington he's very good folks (laughs) does he sneeze inside bob hoskins heart 
It should there should have been shots of him inside the heart. Yeah, like <laughs> like, tiny like a small Denzel, like <laughs> just a pacing in his like, The tiniest yeah, no, Denzel had, like, Washington. Oh actually, boy, here he is, stuck inside of an aorta. Oh no! If he had some furniture in there, like he's got a little hotel room <laughs> set up inside Bob Hoskins' heart. I mean, I I think it really does reflect. The weird thing where everyone was like, racism is dead in the 90s, but they couldn't stop writing about it, mm. right? Yeah. Everything was always dealing with, and specifically anti-black racism, while pretending at the same time, now it's minimal, now it's nothing. The police chief is black, and he's going to laugh at you if you say the N-word. But that, but it's still just like, here's the easiest point of friction that we can bring into our story, is racism. It's not just this guy has a ghost in his heart. It's that he has a black ghost in mm-hmm. his heart. Yes. It's not that this right. guy discovered that he has a, a, an illegitimate son who's now a teenager. It's that he discovered he has a black son right. who is a teenager. Yeah. Um, and so even though everyone is singing it's over, it's over, it's over, they have to keep saying it's over because they have to keep convincing themselves that, yeah, we're mm. at the, you know, s- sort of the internal end of history. And yet I remember the 90s as a time of intense racism. Mm-hmm. If you were in New yeah. York, you yeah. know, there were... There was the riots in the neighborhood I'm in now. There, yeah. uh, there was this intense moral panic about uh, black teenagers. Yep. Um, there was not just the Central Park Five. There was this whole idea they would be doing something called wilding all the time, you know, uh, going crazy. You know, uh, then there was a variation called whirlpooling if they were in, <laughs> if black teenagers <laughs> were placed inside a swimming pool. You know, they'd uh, they'd go they'd... around the pool really fast and <laughs> drown people in the middle. <laughs> No, they'd like uh, sur- surround a, a girl and like what? take her bathing suit Jesus. off. Jesus like, fucking that hell. Was, it was just like an endless moral panic about black teenagers. That was when the Clintons were calling, you know, saying some were super right, predators. Right, that's right. It was just a really, yeah. really ugly time. And then, yeah. It really was this point of like, well, now racism is over so we can get back to the real problem, which is all these black people that are around. Yes, exactly. <laughs> This feels this movie is like a placeholder for an examination of race. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, T examine uh, examination of race TK, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll, we'll put something here if we can think of it. Uh, we couldn't think of anything. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You know, you know, and that's that, um, that's interesting, too, because I feel like with where things are at now, it's this pattern seems to be repeating in some ways, I've noticed that there are some pieces of media that will similarly want to put forward certain people, do certain casting decisions, things like that, in a way that is intended to make a statement, but they sometimes forget to make the statement. Now, because it is, you know, 2002 and not 1990, we don't get like horribly racist shit that's put out. And instead what we get instead is is just sort of more flat and uninteresting and isn't saying much of anything. But it's, I think, a similar dynamic Will in some Smith ways. saying fairy lives don't matter today. Yes. Um, it's almost as though America has a heart condition. Oh. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. And I'm the worst of all possible Brians. I'm pretty bad. worlds, <laughs> but we got this one. Alright, 
folks, that's it for this one. Uh, stay tuned and check out this weekend. We're going to have a big bonus episode where, uh, well, I, I made Josh and AJ and, uh, well, myself watch this really horrible piece of right-wing propaganda, and we're going to be talking about that along with an interview, and that part will be public, but the uh, review of the movie itself is going to be behind the paywall, so check us out on Patreon for that. Oh, and speaking of Patreon, we are not, in fact, brought to you by the BBC of Badgers. We are brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. I would like to welcome our newest patrons, including Matthew Hall, Adam Kelly, Jack Drummond, Lily, Christina Warner, and and of course, our constant, very special thank you to our $10 patrons, who are... Tony Diddy, Timmy Sexton, Hannah White, Nikola Donov, Katie Wall, John John Johnson, Harnick and Box Fiorina, Dara Swisher, Alexa Valentine, Ashley Stoneman, and Silverbear909. See you next time.